on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick are locked and loaded with all sorts of Star Wars-related topics thanks to D-Plus Day, D-23, and a few new casting leaks. So it's finally time for Star Wars Time. The dudes will talk all things Mando S3, Tales of the Jedi, Andor, Ahsoka, the Acolyte, Bad Batch, and Skeleton Crew. It's like a real Star Wars podcast today. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artist features. So, punch it, Chewie. Everybody, I wasn't going to comment it, but I'm going to comment on it. I still blew the intro, but we were talking about some important shit. We are fantasy football managers, so the rest of you that get into FFL, you know that it's real life. It's do or die, and Nick was dealing with a dire situation with one of his dynasty quarterbacks, so (laughs) apologies for missing the post, as they call it, in the radio biz, but we are here. And believe it or not, we have a docket loaded with Star Wars topics, thanks to, uh, I mean, really, uh, you know, Nick, I, uh, maybe I was, you know, kind of in a cloud or had my head buried here, but I, I didn't really feel like Lucasfilm or Disney uh, were, were kind of angling towards showing anything new at Disney Plus Day or D23 Star Wars wise, but... Lo and behold, they did. Um, much more so on D23 than D Plus Day, although we did get that Andor spot that people were able to watch at the uh, Rogue One IMAX re-release screening, so that was pretty cool. We'll talk about that. But D23, I mean, I'll tell you what, dude, I, I knew it was happening. It was on the radar, so I wasn't being a lazy, you know, shitty fan, uh, but I, I really didn't think anything Star Wars was going to come out. I mean, it was on uh, Saturday was, I think, Lucasfilm had a, some time scheduled. Uh, we decided to go down to the Ohio State game, take Charlie to her first game. Um, big mistake on my part. Uh, I got to remind myself that <laughs> I fucked up my leg really bad. Yeah. And yeah. it's not time to go back to being normal yet, but I'll get there. Um, walked another three miles this week on a leg that I just started putting full weight on a week ago. And not, not good ideas. So while I am feeling better about life and myself, and I, I, I'm, I'm starting to shift back into normal, Matt, I need to remind myself that I have many more months to go before I should be walking many miles on the Ohio State campus to get to my seat and back to a car. Uh, but but like I said, I just I was like, whatever, D23, they're not going to do anything interesting. I get back from the Ohio State game and I, I look at my phone. I'm like, holy shit. They went crazy. I mean, they, we, we got a Mandalorian trailer. We got images from Ahsoka. Rosario showed up. Diego showed up, a new Andor trailer, Tales of the Jedi trailer and release date, Bad Batch Season 2 release date, Skeleton Crew set pick. I was like, what the hell? So, you know, someone that's got uh, some mental problems, some OCD with his Star Wars fandom, uh, I was kind of proud of myself for not dropping all my plans Saturday afternoon and just getting right on the computer and punching it up. But we did do a recap for you on Sunday, and we're surely going to go through that today. 
Um, so don't worry. You're going to get the Star Wars Time Show Bros thoughts on the D23 content. We, we, I broke down the trailers. We got some screens to look at. We got some speculation to, to do. Stuff that we haven't really been able to do for the past few weeks because uh, we've been kind of in a Star Wars topic drought. But that is not the case today. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to limit our pop culture talk. Uh, you know, Nick, I don't know. Are you current on rings and thrones or are you, uh, slow to bid nope. on both of those? Okay. <laughs> Game right, of well, Thrones, that, we may not even watch. You're <laughs> like done. if, okay, if you're our out. friend, if our friend doesn't want to come over and watch it, we're probably not going to watch it. Um, yeah, yeah. rings of power. We have to catch up on. Okay. Um, so that, that's yeah. fine. Like I said, we don't have a ton of time to really address those. Um, I'm current on both and I'm, Full on into House of the Dragon at this point. Fucking, it's got me hook, line, and sinker so much so. Just like when I watched the first season of of the actual Game of Thrones, I went out and bought all the books to get caught up before the next season because I didn't want to wait. So I, I find myself going that route with House and Rings. I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see what you have to say next week if you do get caught up and you watch episode three into yet to be released episode four, but. I found episode three to just, it's like, it's starting to get to the point like, all right, can we, can we get some action moving here? I know you got to set the world up. It's a big world, but can we just get like a, like a, like a splash of something? A lot, a lot of fucking talking and, and worrying about the norms and customs and traditions and so on and so forth. But Hey, I'm here for it. I'm not Elon Musk. And the more, a variety of elves and fake creatures we can get in this world, the better. So you people that don't like black elves, black mermaids, uh, strong females, like seriously, go fucking pound some salt and get a life. All right. So Star Wars time, right? There's always time for it. That's what we tell these people that listen to us, Nick. Um, Did you have a chance to check out the uh, Jedi's Return, the Obi-Wan Kenobi BTS on Disney Plus? Yeah, I watched that last night. I watched the 10 minute long extended okay. preview of uh, Andor and I watched the trailer for Mando S3. I didn't watch anything else. <laughs> that right, was, so uh, he, he did. I, I, you know what? I'll give him credit. He did some of his homework that I gave him and, and that's that's good enough. So, Nick, let's start real quickly on A Jedi's Return, which is out there now on Disney Plus. It's an hour long. I, too, checked it out last night like Nick. Um, wrote down just a few notes that that I want to you know touch on for fans that might not have seen it yet or have seen it to see if they kind of felt the same way. But overall, in my opinion, I found a Jedi's Return to be it was beautiful. It, to me, it was much more than just a hey, this is how we made this project. It was more of a we made this project because like all of you rubes out there that think Star Wars is real and you get emotional over it, we do too. And, you know, this was kind of a, a gift for us to give to all of you. I just, I really loved all the reflection that the cast and crew was going through and how much it meant to them, especially Hayden and Ewan to come back and, and kind of revisit these characters but like I said, Nick, it wasn't the, the theme. The main theme was like, listen, we understand how special Star Wars is in this world and what it means to certain groups of humans out there. You know, you got yeah. the Mats, you got the Nicks, you got casual fans, you got the haters, the trolls. So, I mean, there's a variety of us. 
But I think that's what I appreciated most was just like you could feel that Deborah, Ewan, Hayden, all of them, they truly understand why people like you and me sit in our basements and do a, a Star Wars fan podcast every week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely clear from especially from uh, Ewan's point of view that like he understood the impact of Star Wars. I mean, he talked a lot about how Star Wars affected him in his childhood and the first time that he saw it when he was a kid yeah. going to like the the town theater in Scotland where he lived and, and seeing it for the first time. Um, but was he, like what was even more interesting to me is like hearing from the the players that we haven't seen before, you know, the people who weren't main characters rolling over from uh, the the prequel series like O'Shea Jackson Jr. Like never in a, in a thousand years would I have thought that like his household was a Star Wars household. You know, that's yeah. Like <laughs> you like know? you saw like my whole family, my sister and I, we love Duel of the Fates because yeah, I think he was a prequel a prequel kid. Prequel kid, yeah. You know? and, and and like you said, Ewan really kind of he he kept hitting on that. Like, listen, these, these people that were at celebration going bananas. This was their Star Wars. Like my Star Wars was Mark Carey, Harrison, and, and George. So, yeah, but could, that was funny to think about. Like Ice Cube, do you, do you can you even picture Ice Cube saying, "All right, you motherfuckers, let's sit down and watch <laughs> some Star Wars and shit." Like that is just, exactly what was going through my head when I was <laughs> like listening to Shay talk and stuff. I was like, yeah. man. Cube was really like gathering the family on the sofa to sit down and watch the, the prequels and shit. And I was like, I just, man, that's I, I actually wonder, pretty cool. I wonder if Cube was a fan his whole life or yeah. if it was something he just, you know, introduced to his kids once he was living in mansions or whatnot. Or or do you think Cube, you know, did, did Star Wars have any influence on uh, his yeah. NWA days or his solo like if career? We, if we went through the the cut footage to straight out of Compton, was it like Cube and Easy? Yeah, is there a like Star Wars poster in, the, in his room? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I him mean, Easy arguing about the you know the Skywalkers and is there incest <laughs> or not? So yeah, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. It was it was fun, but um, yeah, man. I mean, I think it was a very well done piece. Um, I wish the only thing that I will say is I wish that they would have brought Hayden in a little bit earlier because it's only like an hour long doc yeah. and he doesn't really make his way into it until like the 20, 25 minute mark. Um, because I, I feel like the story of Kenobi, like the making of Kenobi is, is, is so heavily focused around the reuniting those two in particular. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hayden doesn't have a ton of screen time. Um, with just like him as, as Anakin, but it's, it's, it's ultimately comes down to like when this was being made and the announcement was made, like it's going to be Kenobi and it's going to be Vader and Hayden is back at, as Vader slash Anakin. Like that is what got everybody on board with this thing. Oh, yeah. So I wish there was like a little bit more on that. The moments that they did have and, and the segments that they did have with those two kind of reminiscing and talking about their experience and seeing them on screen together. It, it was top notch stuff. Uh, but I wish it was a little bit more of that other than that, man, I thought it was, it was really incredible to see not only the process of making it, which is always fun to see. And we've seen it with a lot of other stuff, but also the, the amount of care put into it, not only by the people who, you know, the, the crew and stuff, but by like you and himself, like you, Ewan has been, you know, he said, it was like five years ago that he approached Lucasfilm and was like, hey, man, like, 
we're we're doing all this stuff again in Star Wars. Like, let's let's revisit Kenobi. You know, I have a story that I want to tell about this character, and to see basically from him reaching out to Lucasfilm till now, like all of the development that went in and all of the care that went into telling a story that that fits Kenobi in this timeline was pretty incredible. So. Yeah, I, I, um, I, like some of the notes I had hit right what you were saying. I, I had best part. I just literally wrote best part is watching you and Hayden together watching the old clips. Yeah. Like Nick said, there's a part where, you know, you and stands alone for a while. They're, they're on the volume. And by the way, who else wants a fucking volume in their backyard? Know, if anything right? else, just to so watch cool. TV on. Like they're just sitting there throwing up <laughs> clips of Star Wars or be like, oh yeah, let's change the scenery to Naboo. No, let's change it to Dayu now. Like I want one of those fucking things. I mean, I think Jason, uh, our boy, work more or less, should sue these motherfuckers for Digirama because that, that's all this is. It's Digirama on steroids. But yeah, I mean, seeing those two together and I think they're watching clips of Attack of the Clones when he's like, oh, you know, I had to, couldn't find a speeder I liked and Hayden laughing at that. And it was almost like he was laughing at how silly it was. But remembering shooting it with with his boy Ewan was beautiful. I also wrote down and I think this echoes what Tones is saying in the live stream chat, which if you want to join us, we're live or not if you're listening on Wednesday, but we do the lives 2.30 p. East on YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. But I also wrote down, um, things got very emotional. There was a moment where Hayden goes in for his costume fitting uh, to put on Anakin's Jedi robes again. And he sits down, and, and you can genuinely feel from this man his appreciation for... Uh, being asked to come back to this role, but just for what Star Wars gave him altogether. You know, Nick and I, we always make jokes like it ruined his his acting life. And you watch that and you would never get that feeling from him. Uh, you would get the opposite because he literally says, he's like, George Lucas gave me a gift when I was a 19-year-old. And I, he's like, I, I to this day, I, I forever in, in, in debt to him and I appreciate what Star Wars has given to me. Like, I think even more so than you and you could see it in any interview Hayden gives in this BTS that he is deeply moved by returning to Anakin and slash Darth Vader at some point in time. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with Tones. I also agree with Nick. Uh, Hayden probably should have been brought in as soon as this damn thing started because yeah, like right up front the dynamic of those two together in the present is it's just so strong and it it's just emotional as a fan seeing these two like i, I was i was almost feeling weird nick i'm watching the show <laughs> of two grown men you know sharing emotions with each other and i'm getting emotional over it i'm like god damn look how beautiful this is <laughs> It's like, how old am I? And did I eat some THC today? Because why am I getting so fucking emotional over this? It's like, by the time this documentary ended, I was I was moved as a Star Wars fan. Like, to the point where I started to try to sell it to my wife, Heather. Like, man, that was great. I started choking up a little bit. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I think that's the beauty of A Jedi's Return. It's It's much more than just... Here's this set in this episode in this moment. It, it's like, yeah, you get that, but that's all ancillary to the really the cast talking about their experience and, and why it was so important. But 
you know, you get to see them dueling again and how quickly they picked up their Gallard style. Um, Hayden just talking about his mindset for Vader and Vader's need to kill Obi so he can move on, become the Sith he needs to be. Uh, the BTS of the final duel, the BTS of Liam showing up and his his joy for like, yeah, man, Ewan, sure, I'll come here and do that for you. And it just it just really seemed like a fucking family production that knew what they were doing. And, you know, I'm still sad for those fans that didn't think Kenobi was great or it ruined their childhood or they could have done it better because after watching the Jedi's Return, it's like, you know what? Good for those fucking people. They did a damn good job and they had the right fucking mindset yeah. for this thing. It's not, hey, let's, you know, let's, let's make this look as expensive and flashy as possible. It's, you know, let, let's tell a down-to-earth personal story about a supremely super-powered human who lost everything and becomes depressed and completely opposite of the type of person we knew him to be. And then through trials and tribulations finds his footing again. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I appreciate that more than I can, I can tell they're in the volume for five seconds, you know, like yeah. that's, that's not going to bother me, but, uh, that's just not the type of person I am. Yeah, no, it was, um, uh, yeah, it's, it was fantastic. It's, it's, it's a quality. It's probably the best BTS since the first one for Mandalorian season one. The only reason That's, I still point yeah. I still point to that one is because you had that fucking round table of Favreau, mm-hmm. Filoni, yeah. and the other directors, and just the insights you got from Dave himself make that a a standout BTS. But this yeah. one is is right up there now. Yeah, that that that's what I was gonna say. Is like I appreciate that they take the time to make the BTS for all of them, but I feel like this was the best one because of the weight behind it. Yeah, yeah. So good stuff. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, you have a a treat coming to you. Just know if you are a super fan, it may work you over, especially if you're in one of those minds. You know, maybe you had a, a beer or two or a little puff puff pass. It could definitely get you thinking about uh, shedding a few tears. All right, so uh, moving right into our topics, because like I said, we got a lot. But before we get there, I sometimes like to remind everyone about some of our short-form content that has popped up across the YouTubes, the TikToks, and Instagram reels. Uh, since last week, we had a um, some Bad Batch Season 2 news. We did the Aman Esfandi rumor about live-action Ezra. And then I recapped Star Wars number 27, which is continuing the journey of uh, the Rebels in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So make sure to check that stuff out on YouTube, TikTok, or Reels. All right, Nick. So to start things off, don't worry. Those of you, (laughs) we're we're here for the long haul. We'll be doing D23 towards the end. So we're just teasing you on that. It's coming. But first, we had a a litany of uh, not official acolyte castings but they're coming from the big boy and girl sites so they're probably legit and the first one happens to be a casting for the acolyte in the form of jody turner smith Mm -hmm. who is uh apparently joining this series you may remember her from the movie queen and slim which is pretty good it's like a a modern bonnie and clyde and um uh, the she played I guess she played the titular character in the Anne Boleyn miniseries yeah all right so she hasn't been confirmed by Lucasfilm or herself but uh, like I said sometimes for these supporting roles secondary roles if a deadline or a Hollywood you know a THR are reporting on it it's probably legit so what yeah. say you good Nick I mean so 
I, I'm not too familiar with Jody Smith Turner's work. The way that I know her, and like this is going to sound weird, but like she is married to Joshua Jackson, who is, if you know him from Mighty Ducks, from Fringe, stuff like that. Like Joshua Jackson's one of my favorite actors of that time period. He's, he's like had a very successful career even after his time didn't, as a child hey, Nick, actor for he, Disney. Um, wasn't he in the group to be Anakin in the prequels? I believe so. I believe so. I, I think that he was he was in that that discussion, but he or was, was like Devin a, Sawa. I know. It was, Devin, like, I know he, it was Devin, him, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, DiCaprio, Leo? and then yeah, uh, obviously Hayden. Um, I mean, and look, I think that all of them. The only one that, in that group to me that stands out as kind of an off-color casting was probably Devin Sawa because the way that his career turned out was very like horror-oriented. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love Joshua Jackson as an actor. I, I haven't seen anything unless it was like a smaller uh, project that Jody has been in. Um, but I have heard good things about uh, specifically Queen and Slim. I remember yeah, that, when that came out, like it fucking took over one. everything. Yeah, that's um, a good one. And I believe that yeah. was her first ever role. Was it was a, you know, pretty pretty big movie with uh what's his name? I think Daniel Kaluuya is in that one. Yeah, Dan- Daniel Kaluuya is in it and everybody knows that Daniel Kaluuya is So, like, I mean, I I I can I can tell you she's she she's good at what she does. She's a beautiful woman. Uh and, and you know, I I I I hate to say this cuz I'm going to sound like a white guy, but you know, it, the one confirmed casting is Amanda Stenberg, who is also a black female. So, um, there's a good chance Jody Turner Smith could be a, a family member, a relative. Uh, cause while I haven't dove into all the leaks that came out for the acolyte, you know, you can kind of draw some general speculations about what it's going to be about. And more or less, Amanda is probably going to be a force sensitive. Her family get, may yeah. be, and, uh, the, the Jedi are probably going to come and, and take someone from her family, which may disenfranchise her. So who knows? But, um, if this is legit, I, I, I think it makes, it makes sense based on previous casting. And like I said, she, she's, she's good at what she does. So the, you yeah. know, the more strong females we can get in star Wars, the better. Those of you that don't like hearing that type of stuff from me, or you don't, or you use the term woke in a negative connotation. I'm sorry. This probably isn't a star Wars show for you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because, one of the, um, I, I, the, I don't think being woke is a bad thing. And, and I think the way people use it now is, is as a derogatory term is silly. Cause they, they say something's woke just because black people are in it. Like, let's be real. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, looking at their, their two ages. So, uh, Jody's 36. Amanda is 23. They could definitely be related more than likely. It would be like a sister type of relationship or, you know, who, who knows? Maybe they're not. Um, I like, I will be interested to see how they, how they play them. If Jody is a force user at all, if she's just another person within the galaxy, um, right. Amanda is definitely going to be our lead. So, yeah, I, yeah. So, I, so, so you got to figure, Amanda. You, you got to figure that she's probably going to end up being the acolyte, right? I mean, it just—I would assume so. Just kind of makes so. sense, but yeah. So, I mean, is Jody related? Is she just in in the village that Amanda might be living in, or you know, she's someone that she meets potentially in the middle of her journey? But um, either way, if this is legit, I, I do think it's a, a good casting, um, yeah. because we got another one and, and I'm digging this too. 
Uh, so the other rumored casting, again, coming from Deadline. So someone with loose lips was definitely <laughs> dialing the Deadline office yeah. last week. Um, but they also revealed that uh, recent Emmy winner Lee Jong Jae, or Lee Jong Jae, I don't know how, you don't do the J, I think. Maybe it's Hai, Lee Jong Hai. Uh, who was the lead in Squid Games has been cast as the apparently the male lead in the Acolyte, which we did we do know that there was supposed to be a male lead and a you know a, a middle teen type of lead. So yeah, uh, they're saying Lee Jung has been cast as the male lead, and I'm I'm digging that. You know we're gonna get it, and if you think about what the male lead's role is probably gonna be. He's probably going to be the one that pushes Amanda's character or whoever's going to be the acolyte down that dark side path. Man, you see, that's what I'm kind of struggling with right now, because we also know that within the acolyte, there is kind of this contingent of like light side force users who are also kind of within the galaxy and exploring and, and then encounter the the dark side within that. So like, do you think are you are you like locked in that he's going to be like the dark side mentor or do you think that he could also be on the other side and be like leading this group of light side force users yeah. during their expedition out into the unknown portions of the galaxy? See, I, I mean, I, I like the angle you're going with, but I, I'm just going on the, 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 the few bits of meat that we know are legit. A, we know it's about someone who is going to eventually be called the acolyte which is a a dark side s type of character uh we we've heard uh, you know there's going to be a a some younger cast you know manla like nick said in her 20s or maybe even a, some younger kids and we always knew there's going to be a lead male and nick i think the fact that it's a, the lead male role is what leads me to believe that all right if it's a lead in a show about a potential dark side acolyte that's why I think Lee Jung is probably headed towards that type of role. Yeah. Um, I don't, while I don't disagree with you, I do hope we see High Republic Jedi because we, we, I don't know. I mean, it's at the very tail end of the High Republic. Is it still the High Republic or is it starting to form into the Republic, uh, the, the Galactic Republic that we knew during the prequels? Who knows? But yeah, you would think. And like I said, based on just le uh, leaks and guessing, you would think light side slash Jedi will be involved in some form or fashion. There, there's got to be an, a, a, a kind of like a, an impetus for a manless character or even Lee Jung, if he is playing a dark side character, to come into frame. You know, all right, why is the dark side coming back into the galaxy at this point in time? Is it something the Jedi are doing? Are they are they starting to disenfranchise just the commoners throughout the galaxy at this point? So I, I do think Jedi should be in there, but probably not in the main capacity, which is why I think Lee uh, is going to get the the dark side lead versus a light side character. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it definitely makes sense. But uh, I mean, as for the casting, I mean, he was fantastic in squid game i mean for somebody who you know for for a show to be able to take over kind of the world's consciousness when it's completely done in korean regardless yeah. of whether you watch it in you know dubbed or subbed or however you watch it like his performance um was so 
you know, gripping that you, you were able to pull in people from different cultures that spoke different languages that had no idea what was actually being said in some instances and, and, and really, you know, suck them in. So having somebody of his skills is, is definitely a boon to this cast, regardless of the role that he's in. So, yeah. uh, and, and the fact that like somebody that, that the star Wars universe moves so quickly on it, you know, like it's easy. It would, it would have been easy to, to not look at somebody like this for a role in this type of show, because of the things that I did just mention, like the only thing that, that people really know him for is a fully Korean spoken show. And yes, it was massive, but like typically you don't see something like that where you take an, an actor or a performer from something that is completely outside of your cultural rev- like relevance and then put them in something as big as a star Wars television series. Um, and I like, I credit Leslie Headland and the showrunners on the acolyte for like, seeing the clear talent and reaching out and, and, and bringing Jay or, or Lee into the show. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what, what yeah, he brings to the screen. I only know him as that kind of slapsticky dope from squid game. So exactly. it'll, it, it will be interesting to see like what, what other, what other dynamics does he have to his, uh, actors tool belt? And, you know, Bat's saying here, you can't really see him as a bad guy, more like a good guy. I don't know. I mean, I. Actors can I, do I, a lot of things. That's yeah, why that, they're actors. I, I, yeah, good, good <laughs> ones hopefully can could, could play any role. But I think the other thing here is like if you remember that the genesis of Star Wars, specifically the Jedi and Sith, is the samurai culture. Yeah, I know he's Korean, but you know he he's got that Asian Asian flavor to him. And just going back to Star Wars Visions last year, I do think the Asian culture mashed with Star Wars is is awesome. I mean, I I loved Visions in in kind of what the those artists brought to Star Wars versus our you know traditional um, European or American type of artists. So. We, we still have not had many Asians in major Star Wars roles. I mean, um, what's his name? Rose. I mean, yeah, it's, had- it's, it's, um, uh, Rose who is, what the fuck's her name? Uh, the and, Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah. Kelly Marie Tran. And then, um, you just had, what's his name? Sung Kang as yeah, the, Sung the, Kang the fifth, as the fifth, the brother. fifth brother. And that, that's about it. And, and the fifth brother at the end of the day had what, like two speaking lines and mostly yeah. just looked pissed. So yeah. it was also interesting to hear in that Kenobi documentary for one second that the fifth brother was the heir apparent to become the grand inquisitor. Like that's that, that was explicitly said in that series. So apparently these numbers don't mean dick shit. <laughs> like yeah, fifth yeah, brother, yeah, second I mean, brother, whatever <laughs> like, doesn't mean anything. I, I don't think I I don't think Dave has ever explained or I at least have not gone down the rabbit hole to figure out what the what the hierarchy or the naming scheme of the Inquisitorius actually means. Yeah. You know, it's like one's the grand. Okay, that makes sense. But then you could have a first brother, a a second sister, a third sister, a fourth sister, then a fifth brother and then, you know, a sixth brother. But then you got a seventh sister and then an eighth brother, then a ninth sister. It's like, well, what the fuck does any of this really mean, man? Very weird. Very weird. 
Yeah, there we go. Darth LVJ, Barrett, and or I'm sorry, Bays and Cheer it. So Bays, um, Bays and Cheer it, both. Yeah. yeah. Hey, like uh, I said, I, I mean, th- th- I'm not like some huge tree hugger either, but it, it is nice to get some different representation in Star Wars. To me, I like it. I'm okay as a white man. I am okay, and I enjoy seeing a different color palette in my Star Wars. Yeah. Sue me. Do what you got to do. Call it's, me a woke loser. I don't. It's I don't literally give a fuck. an entire galaxy. Do you think that the entire galaxy, composed of hundreds of planets, is just all white people? <laughs> like, yeah. well, just it's use like the people are all bent over rings of power and uh, the Little Mermaid because there's black. It's like people. They're not fucking real. Like elves don't fucking exist. You can't. You're telling me you can't even have black elves. You can't have black <laughs> fake people. Like, yeah. wow. hello, okay. hello, you got some shit going on in your life that you need to address. Very weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Like I said, I, I like seeing this and it's, it, it's funny. Like, I, I don't know if it was in the, I, I just heard this stat, but when you think about it, it is wild. But in the original movies, there were only four female speaking parts. And yeah. Princess Leia was the dominant one. All the other ones were like a line. And, yeah, Mon Mothma spoke for like two minutes she's combined one. total. Princess Leia's one. The lady on um in the Hoth base that says like, hey, fire away. She's oh, like yeah. the other. That's yeah. it. That's <laughs> like it. that is it. Well. That is fucking it. So um yeah. This is good. And I, they do. I think they do address this when they're talking about Princess Leia in the Jedi's Return documentary. Yeah, they do. It's like, and you I, know, I think that- Carrie was so great because she was, you know, strong and competent. And Deborah's like, listen, Luke would have never been able to do what he did without Leia. And I'm going damn fucking straight. Luke was sitting around till he was almost 20 playing with toys in a garage with the thumb up his ass. His sister by this point. We already know she went on a crazy adventure with Obi-Wan Kenobi at 10. And then in her her early teens, she's like in the junior Senate. Then she's yeah. serving in the Senate and organizing the rebellion by the time she meets Luke. So, yes, Princess yeah. Leia plus Luke equaled victory. There was no Luke only. So let, yeah. Let's get that straight as well. There Definitely you go. Bat, Bat had the other one. Brew was the, was the other Brew, female yeah, that had like two lines. So thank you. All right. So acolyte castings, Jody Turner Smith, Lee Jong Hai, or however you say it. Excuse me if I am trampling over the Asian culture. I'm not doing it on purpose. So we're not done yet. We haven't even got to the D23 stuff. We're going to check out a set leak video that may, you know, shape some of our D23 conversation when we talk about The Mandalorian Season 3. But last week, Bespin Bulletin uh, shared a video from the set that was taken, you know, a few months ago. Nick, I think we talked about this before when it was just stills. Yeah. Yeah. But now you can actually see the action, and and it's definitely Bo-Katan in it but i think the the big conundrum or the big question or speculation to come out of this video is who is she fighting is it axe woves is it just another random mandalorian is it another you know night owl or blue armor wearing mando that's not crazy i don't know i mean did you did you look through it do you have any thoughts here because i mean i'm almost 100 percent sure that it's axe um because even through the grainy shitty footage this is like that looks like Simon Castanitas and it also looks almost 
spot on to the armor that we saw him wear previously. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, like the, the thing that truly gives it away is just his, his head and his haircut. Like the guy is, if it's not Simon Cassinitas, it is a stunt double. That is a stunt double for Simon Cassinitas. Like, uh, yeah. I would, I would be so surprised if it wasn't, um, because just because of how uncanny well, you know the resemblance that, that's a good is. point because if you look we're actually playing the footage right now on the live stream but if you look there, there's kind of like another simon-esque type of looking guy behind her i don't know if that's him watching the stunt man or maybe that's him coming in to fight the other one so i'm with you it, it does look like who would be axe woves but it could be a stunt man or it very well could be another Mandalorian that she's tussling with and Axe Woes actually comes in at the end to uh, potentially uh, break it up. But, uh, I mean, I think the reason I, I kept this on the, on the lineup for today is just so it kind of allows us to build into our, our breakdown of Mandalorian Season 3 because now that we got the actual footage shown in public in HD Things are much more clear. You can really kind of get the tone of the season and who I think is going to at least be the pretend antagonist for a while. And hint, hint, she has red hair. Okay, so the fact that we see Bo-Katan tussling with other Mandalorians that are probably in her unit or close to her does not surprise me at all because um, as we'll discuss uh, at length coming up here soon, I do think she's going to be one of the main antagonists for a bit. Uh, yeah. Because as she says in this, I'm actually going to go to the article now. It just dropped today. Uh, it was funny. Uh, our boy Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian, he was stumping for his boy Nick Cage to be in Star Wars. He's Dude. like, I think he he's like, I think he could play a Mandalorian. He, you know, just Dude, keep the helmet fucking on. Do it. I, I want to see Nick Cage and everything I can see Nick Cage. In. And I think that he's he's a good enough actor to where you can drop him in any universe and he can find a a section of his Nick Cage personality to make it fit, man. Like I'm, I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah. So, did did you ever finally see the unbearable weight of massive talent? Then not with, yet. With I, I, oh my I, god! It is it out on a streaming service? Oh yet? yeah, 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 yeah. You, okay. I, I think. Well, I think you'd still have to pay for it. I don't think it's hit like an HBO at this point. Okay, but you, gotcha. can, you can definitely on demand it, and if it's ever marked down to like ten or less, buy it. It, it is. Yeah. It's great, and it's also like, yeah, I would take this based on what I saw these two do in that movie because these two together. It's just a thing of beauty. They're they're perfect together. They they can do action together. They can do comedy. They can do drug comedy. They're they're just a great pair. But within this same article, we got some insights from Katie, kind of on the season that I wanted to read again before we get into our our D twenty three recap of of the Mandalorian season three. So Katie says, like, listen, there are a lot more Mandalorians, and with that many Mandalorians in the room, things are bound to go wrong. So. That, that fight we just talked about and saw, yeah, I mean, that that should not surprise anyone. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about a culture of Spartan-level warriors that, due to their politics, allowed themselves to lose their planet. Like, let's be yeah. real. The Mandalorians, out of any fucking planet and, and, and people, were the, were the most ready and capable to defend themselves against the Empire. But because of all their all their factions and civil wars and all the shit that they are going through during the Clone Wars with Death Watch versus the Loyalists, they fucked up. 
They, they were they were so narcissistic about how awesome they were and their way of life that they fucked up and yeah. and let the empire slowly beginning during the clone wars come in and take their fucking planet right out from under their feet so it should not surprise anyone that even now after the fall of the empire after they've been living in fucking rat holes that these cocksuckers still can't coexist like they still have those past problems that prevent them from becoming a a solid unit of warriors that really no one but the Jedi could take down. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like similar to the Sith to where like if you just put five of these people in a room, it's almost (laughs) inevitable that a fucking fight's going to break out. Like they can't help themselves. And, you know, I think one of the big, you know, I think what we may see is one of the big storylines here is that now that you're starting, like, you know, Bo-Katan has been on a mission even before she met Din to like yes. reorganize the Mandalorians under her lead. Like she, she has right. this idea that she is the rightful heir to the Mandalorian throne, whether it be by birthright or by whatever, but like she is now trying to like make this happen, you know? It, but there is a there's also a clear uh, rule within Mandalorian society of like who is supposed to lead you. And it's and based off of that information. It's not supposed to be her. So I could see there just being like we in the, in the trailer, we see her sitting on the, the Mandalorian throne and there's going to be people who have an issue with that. Because, she looks salty as fuck. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't actually, Nick, I don't think that is the throne that might have been blown up. I that's her that's like her stronghold from somewhere it, okay. it's definitely not the throne room we saw in the clone wars yeah um and, and we'd have to think based on the night of a thousand tears that that may most be. of that has been blown <laughs> away so th- there's a good chance yeah. she's like on one of the moons maybe she is on uh was it is it concordia yeah concordia concord don concord don yeah. yeah she could be on one of those moons or or just a whole other planet that isn't even close to mandalore because you would think if they have to hide from the remnant they're probably not going to set up their base on a moon of Mandalore. But that's what but that's what i'm thinking now is like are they to the point of comfortability where they're like we are yeah. taking our planet back and so, okay. we know right. that there's nothing you can do about it because who, who we are, we have Moff Gideon in the fucking jail right here. Right. Who, who, right. Who's going to come at us? Like the, the, the remnant is so fractured at this point that they may feel like they can defend their own territory again. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we know it, it, it is not the Mandalorian throne, but it definitely is her stronghold of some sort. It's just, yeah. where is it? Like, like, like Nick is saying, have they felt, confident and comfortable enough to set up shop again close to Mandalore or on the fucking planet itself. You you, you don't know yet because you do raise a good point. Their main antagonist was was Gideon. He was the one that caused all the fucking problems. It sounded like he was in the ISB and the one kind of leading the shit that went down on Mandalore during the Night of a Thousand Tears and essentially the, the genocide of the Mandalorian race. So I, I could see them being like, all right, we got him out. We can start to some sort of rebuild. So good point there. Yeah. Um, she goes on to say, I think this season is different. I do believe that this season is a little faster pace and that tonally it's like a moving train. You just got to get on. So it does sound like for those of you that were getting tired of the, 
dad and son show where, you know, every episode they, they, they kind of run in some hijinks they'd have to solve by the end and that would move them closer to their goal. It sounds like that formula might be changed a bit and it's going to be um, maybe more traditional TV storytelling where it's like bing, 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 where you like you end and you're you're sitting on the edge of your seat to see what's going to happen next. Like, you know, you might actually get some cliffhangers this season. Uh, which really isn't something that has been done much in the Mandalorian outside of when, you know, Grogu got jacked in season two. <laughs> um, um, Femu Yiwa also drops some quotes. Um, he says about the season, it both expands upon the idea of Mandalorians and the culture of Mandalorians. So, hey, like we've been telling you for months now, season three is is almost going to be 90% Din in his quest to get his title back, which is also going to involve the rest of them trying to figure out their fucking problems and get their damn planet back. Um, so he goes on to say, but as the storytelling starts to evolve, we have characters that have been introduced in Mandalorian like Ahsoka. that are now part of the bigger storytelling going into Star Wars. We're bringing together a lot of characters from the Star Wars universe, so we got a lot to say in Star Wars, and we're going to keep saying it. So... While season three is going to be Mando-centric, Rick more or less just said, hey, people we've been introducing throughout the Mando, you're going to see him again. Uh, and it, it almost sounds like he's saying uh, that that includes Ahsoka. Uh, we know from the, the trailer, Pelly's going to be there, thank God. Yep. Uh, Mr. Cardboard's going to be there. Babu Frick looks like he's getting folded in from the, the, the sequel trilogy. Uh, so, I mean, who else, Nick, who, who else have they either introduced or legacy do you think would make sense for inclusion in season three? Man, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, I mean, you have to figure that, that any Mandalorian that was involved is going to come back up. I think that is rebels, Mandos like animated I think that animated characters are going to come into what I'm expecting here. Here is like, we may get into a situation where there is another full out Mandalorian civil war. Um, so, so you're bringing in like the armor you're bringing in like, like to actually fight, like the armor is going to come out of the, the underground bunkers that she's in and stuff like that. So I think that there's an, there's an open possibility that you could see, uh, people from rebels, like, you know, I mean, Gar Saxon's already dead, right? Like he's he's gone. Gar would be dead, but Fen Ra, I, I yeah. believe, is on the table. Uh, Sabine's family is on the table. Her mom, yeah. her brother. Yeah, like all uh, the Wrens. Well, maybe and I think stuff. her brother's her brother might be dead. Um, yeah, so Sabine herself. I mean, we talked about that. That's a that's a guarantee. I mean, obviously Sabine, and she would probably be the uh, vehicle to bring Ahsoka in, considering yeah. their relationship in, in this timeline. Um, Luke, I honestly, you know, a black series I, clips is bringing it up at this point, John and Dave, like it may be getting too gimmicky. It, it's kind of like yeah. my, my sentiments on Vader last week. Like we love him, and yes, he was great in book of Boba and yes, he was awesome in, in Mando season two. But if he just starts popping up every fucking Mando verse show now, it kind of yeah. cheapens that high, you know, and, and you mean? also so, have to, to, like if 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 season three of the Mandalorian is going to be super focused on Mandalorian culture and Mandalorian like way of life, he doesn't really have a connection to that. No, where where no. Ahsoka does, like Ahsoka was 
on the ground fighting during yes. the siege of Mandalore, trying to save Bo-Katan the Mandalorian people. Sought yeah. her out, Mick, on another planet. Yeah. So and, and it was like, listen, we need your skill set for Maul, essentially. Exactly. We need you. She even Ahsoka even donned Mandalorian garb. At one point mm-hmm. in time, like that, that, that blue suit she wears in the final season of Clone Wars. Look at the middle of it. Look at the, the chest in God or whatever the fuck it is. It's the Mando thing that's on all their armor. Yeah. So, so I think that like Ahsoka makes sense. And I feel like just name a Mandalorian that's still alive in this time period. And you're going to see them because what Boba. like. What I could, he, he's a dude. self, he's a self non Mandalorian, but he he's Din's buddy, and he yeah. owes Din again. So obviously, Boba's on the table. I mean, the the way that I'm that the way that I'm looking at this potentially season three, maybe if it rolls into season four, is like this is the fight for the soul of the Mandalorian culture. You know, like yeah, the, good point. like what what is going to happen here is going to to inevitably change the way that that Mandalorians live in the galaxy from here forward you know if if you have if there really are coverts of, of like former death watch out there that are still living by this creed helmet helmet only lifestyle and they all come out um and there is this fight between the faction of night owls and everybody who's on both side versus the fight, the, the the faction of the armor and everybody who's on her side. Like that is the, that is the fight for the soul of the Mandalorian culture and way of life for, from this moment until Mandalorians are no more in this galaxy. So you're going to see everybody. And I think that's going to be the interesting storyline is like you heard in the trailer. And I know that we technically haven't gotten to the trailer yet, but like, in the trailer, Bo tells Din, you were a part of a cult. Like, you may not no, realize yeah, I, that I, yet. I was going to bring this up. She's like, listen, your your clan slash cult is, is part of the reason we're all fucked up, which I think is yeah. cute coming from one of the founders of Death Watch. One the of the original, founder, founders of it, yeah. Like, but it's the, also the, like... The original it, divisive faction of Mandalore. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, but it's like, you could also look at it like, this is so, coming from a former cult member. It's like Leah Remini leaving Scientology right. and telling people right. like, hey man, like this is, I was in it. I was in it for a long time. I was dedicated but now I see what was wrong with it. And now I see the error of the ways and I'm going to speak out against it. Yeah. Cause so, we, we still don't know for a fact, if the armor's wing of Mando's stemmed from death watch, or if they were like in a, a more extreme branch of death watch, or if they're their own thing. Um, yeah. all we know is that the reason they didn't fully get blowed up is because they were on one of the moons while Mandalore proper was getting glassed by the Empire. So yeah. uh, we also know Death Watch, you know, they were also on a moon. So that's why we, yeah. we've never, we've never really gotten it. Okay, who is the armor? Like, what, what is, who is she truly attached to? Where did she come from? Is she Death yeah. Watch proper? Is she someone that was too crazy for Death Watch? Like, did, did, did Pre Vizsla kick her out? Like, yo, you were, you're even too fucking crazy for us. We want to take our helmets off. Like, come on, yeah. get like, over that yeah. shit. So you are a hundred percent correct, Nick. Um, season three. Yes. You know, the, the main focus is going to be on our boy and, and the little green guy and, and more adventures and him trying to get his Mandalorian title back from the cult. But ultimately, that's going to lead to some form of, of Mandalorian culture conflict. 
that hopefully leads to some form of resolution that leaves them as this powerful force that can be ready to combat what's coming to them from Moff Gideon and all these wardens that Gene Carlo has been teasing in, um, mm-hmm. in recent interviews. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm digging it. So there you go. That, there's some good quotes there. Like I said, to help shape some of the uh, conversation coming up here. Um, yeah. Like bat, that's what we're saying. Bats going like, you know, death watch, they weren't even that nuts. Like, you know, death watch, they, their big thing versus the loyalists, which would have been Satine's group, the people that stayed on Mandalore, was uh, Death Watch wanted to maintain the warrior culture. You know, everything was based on being warriors, bravery, dying in the battlefield, like very Viking-esque, you know, glory of death and, and all that fun stuff. But they, they didn't buy into the helmet bullshit and, and all that stuff. But you could also argue that, you know, she could have been a part of death watch and saw what happened ultimately with them taking helmets off and interacting with interlopers, the separatists and how that led to their downfall. And she just decided like, listen, no, we're we're not only are we embracing the warrior culture, we're going back to fucking day one Mando creeds. No more removing helmets. No one can know truly who you are or who you're with or the size of your covert, your faction. We got to, you know, we, we, we got to kind of like sand people, hide our numbers and, and be more mysterious and, and not be so out in the open. But who knows? Hopefully we get some of that stuff because clearly um, I, I think the armor is going to have a bigger role in the Mandalorian than she has had in the past two seasons and a half. Uh, she, uh, she could very well be. Uh, almost promoted up to a a main at some point yeah. in the season. Is there a character like that you can you you can see the armor being that we already know? Like if you um, think through, man, like I, her you know, name the, her name's escaping me. But sh- her and Gar Saxon were like lieutenants in in Mal, in the Maldalorian army. Maldalorian. Yeah. Um, look it up because she she actually is a, like a named character. Uh, and, and some people have hinted at this before because she even kind of kept the horns on her helmet from the Maldalorian days. Rook cast. There you go, Rook. Yeah. So yeah. that's my best guess on an existing character. Otherwise, it's going to be a super surprise or, or just she just, truly is just new. Yeah, I, I, I really do feel like that she is somebody that we know. I think that Rook cast, because uh, I was kind of thinking the same thing, but I also didn't remember her well, name. Well, think about it, Nick. Like it, <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're this Rook girl who yeah. um, started in Death Watch, who were anti, who who wanted to get closer to the old ways of Mandalorians. Kind of saw what happened there with Pre making deals, and he gets killed by Maul. So by culture, she starts following Maul because he won battle or he won the Darksaber through combat. She follows him. But ultimately, at the end, she you would have to think that some of these fuckers like Gar. Well, I mean, he's Gar Saxon stayed on and and joined the Empire. But you would think some of these people that kind of sold out and saw that ultimately Maul used them for his own goals to try and get power from Sidious, that maybe they would reflect and be like, you know what? We have now seen what decisions we've made can lead to for our people and our planet. We need to really fucking button down now and go back to the basics. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm changing everything. Like, n- no more Death Watch, no more Maldalorians. 
helmets on, we, we hide in coverts, we keep our numbers small, and we don't let the Empire even though we're alive. Something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like she she saw the errors of her people's ways, and like this is her over-course correcting to yeah. try and, and, and make amends for those bad decisions. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I mean, that's a theory. It, it makes sense, too, because of the disdain that she has for Jedi. Well, not only Jedi, just Force users in general, you know, like, you know, wizards or something, as she called them, like, because because of what you said with Maul, like her being a legion to Maul and then him obviously uh, screwing all of them over. But also she she had a run in with Ahsoka uh, during the, the Siege of Mandalore where she uh, like essentially lured Ahsoka into a trap. That's how Ahsoka got in down into the tunnels. If you remember in that episode is because Rook kind of, you know, took her on this little journey down there and then boom, that's when the, the, the trap was sprung on Ahsoka. So, uh, I think that's a good call. I think that more than likely, do you want it to be, I guess, do you want it to be an existing, like, do you think that'll hit harder or would you, it just be, Hey, this is fucking, Joe Blow Schmo. I would rather it line be of somebody that we know because of how integral this character has been to right. the mythology surrounding Mandalorians at this time. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. And she seems, and I've said this all along, she seems to know something more than everyone else. It, it's like, it, exactly. It, especially with Din Djarin. Like she, she either has a soft spot for him, had some hand in his upbringing and his rearing and his foundlinging. There's just you, you just feel like she knows something about this dude and about things in general that just some random schmo would not. So, yeah, I'm and, you know, Nick, it has to be someone existing because that just kind of hits on George's mantra and now Dave's mantra of the connective tissue never being absent in any Star Wars property to properties that came before it and will come after it. Like that, that's what Star Wars is. And that's why I fucking love it. The fact that we have these through lines with characters over decades now. I mean, think about, Mm -hmm. think about the character of Ahsoka at this point in time, we have witnessed this character over decades and decades and decades of her timeline. I mean, yeah. you don't really get to do that in, in other fiction type of properties outside of, say, a Tolkien where you literally get to experience uh, millenniums of 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 people's um, uh, lifetimes. You know, you know, the elves live in thousands of years and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I'm with you. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll get some of that in season three during one of these fights. Maybe, you know, Bo-Katan will whack it off her head or some shit like that. You never know. Yeah, I mean, that helmet's got to come off at some point for that character, for sure. So we'll see. Yeah, well, hey, we, we, we all want to see Emily's beautiful face anyway. So just just take it off. Let's see what's going on under there. Break your own rule. Din can do it. He's still alive. And guess what? By taking his helmet off, he's become more powerful than you could ever possibly <laughs> imagine. So it kind of works. Um, okay, so uh, moving on. Um we're, we're just about to our D23 extravaganza. But before we get there, I'm going to kind of use this time to do our Andor talk. Uh, so we're going to get most of our Andor talk done based on the special look that was provided last week for D Plus Day. Um, hopefully everyone got to check it out because 
Uh, I don't know about you, Nick, but I, I think Bat said this, even though it was mostly a scene of dialogue. Yeah. I was like, wow. I, I um, as much as we make fun of Tony and shit, I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I, I loved yeah. seeing Stellan and Diego act as their characters. I thought they were fantastic. I liked the tension to the scene. I liked the stakes to the scene. And I loved what Luthen was trying to sell. So, um, We'll just go through some of the, the, the screens here from that special look. Um, you know, clearly, Nick, at some point in time, Diego is going to be tasked, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Andor is <laughs> going to be tasked with stealing a device. And it, it seems like it's almost a test from Luthen to kind of figure out like, hey, is this Cassian guy I've been hearing about, is, is, he, is he rebel material? Isn't yeah. that kind of how it felt? Like, Luthen wasn't so much interested in the device. He was more interested in... How, how did got you, it. How'd you do it? And can you do this full time? Yeah. I think um, the, the scene did an incredible job of like setting the tonal feel to the show. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that came up during the, uh, during the special look prior to when the scene went off was that this is essentially like, it's a spy thriller, you know, like this, yes, this is a Star Wars and, and show. You, you get that full frontal in this clip. Like yeah. it, it, if it hasn't resonated you, resonated with you through all of Tony's, you know, propaganda, it's, <laughs> he ain't, he ain't fucking wrong. I mean, this yeah. is 100% a spy thriller with Star Wars skin around it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is. That is his his bag too. Like that's Tony's thing. Like if there's one thing that he's good at or that he's known for, it's for spy dramas. I mean, the Bourne series, the the uh, the the Clooney film. I can't remember the name of it now, but like all of his shit is kind of centered around that particular type of of material. And you could feel it. You could definitely feel that coming through in the clip. The acting was on point. I feel like the it was an odd sequence. Like at the end of it, I was like, man, it was kind of f like, it was weird that yeah, the, hey, the, the I, tension I, led up to all these things falling from the ceiling, but it was still cool. Like, well, you know what else? <laughs> I think they purposely removed it, like a key dialogue part because I don't know if you notice it, Nick, but just as the action was about to pop off, it literally goes like come through this hole in the wall and then black and then poop, 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 yeah, yeah, everyone's exactly. like shooting shit. So I think they probably cut out some some key dialogue that they did not want us to yeah. see yet. But yeah, it definitely the scene was flowing beautifully until that. It's just like, okay. Uh, it's like, okay, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I thought the the shootout was kind of interesting from the aspect of all the shit falling. It's like the the blaster bolts ended up not really being the thing to be worried about. It was all the shit that was swinging down and, and like penduluming into or trying to kill Andor, who really yeah. wanted to get that fucking box that he stole that it, Luthen could give two shits about. Yeah, it, it really did. Like that scene, like that whole little action sequence in particular did feel very born to me because in the born series, it's never just a straight shootout. There's well, it's always chaotic. it's yeah. camera angle, camera angle, camera cut, cut, cut. Like it's, yeah. it's almost too many fucking angles. Yeah. So like that felt cool. It also felt very different than what you would typically see in Star Wars, especially being kind of confined within this little warehouse space. Um, so I enjoyed what I saw. I definitely like I was never like as as much as I love to make fun of Tony Gilroy just for being 
this this larger than I don't want to say larger than life, but like, you know, like him presenting himself as like this master of cinema. Um, I like to make fun of him for that, but I was never like worried about what he would do with the series. Um, but seeing this was definitely um, a boon to what I think is is it, we're going to see in, in Andor. So, dude, I even uh, I, I think I, I, I slacked it to you, but I even enjoyed the opening part where it was Tony and Diego just kind of talking about the process. I was like, yeah. I'm I'm actually intrigued by Tony Gilroy and what he's saying. Like I'm I'm buying into it. I'm just sitting there like fucking lapping it up. Like yeah, Tony. Yes, you should be Lord Gilroy. Even though I just found out you're an American. <laughs> I <was> like, yeah. <laughs> I was like I thought the guy was a Brit. That's why I'm trying to knight him and shit from my basement seat. But clearly, <laughs> I was off. Maybe uh, the new king can give him a special uh, commendation or something. But um, just a few other notes here. This scene sealed the deal on, on, on my guess that Luthen was probably going to be my favorite new character, uh, and he is. I fucking love this guy. Uh, I love the way Stellan's playing him. I love his angle. I love his passion. And uh, I, I think we got some key nuggets from him that you probably wouldn't have picked up from the trailer, such as uh, how much Luthen knows about Cassian. I mean, this dude yeah. has done his scout work. He knows we learn, at least through Luthen. I, I didn't pick up on this through any trailers or any other readings, that um, Cassian, it sounds like he essentially watched his father get hung in the streets for going yeah. against the Empire, which hopefully we see and we'll kind of add to all right well this is why this dude's so fucking motivated and you know luthan also knew that cassian really doesn't have a choice but to come and work with him and become a a a highly coveted rebel asset because he's like listen dude i know you've killed some corpos i know you're on the run i know who's coming here right now to take you out so shit or get off the pot do you want to do something great do you, do you want to essentially honor your your losses and and all the shit you've gone through in life? Come with me. So um, th- this I, I thought the clip was great. I, I, like Nick, I, I like making fun of Tony because he he opens himself up to it. I mean, anyone that's that arrogant is is gonna get some shit talking. But I, I think he honestly is going to deliver on the high bars that he has himself set in all of these um, interviews. So, um, I was, I was excited by that, but we'll, we'll talk a bit more. Um, I have a few more screens to, to look at these kind of happen, Nick, not in the new trailer that came out on D 23, but in the trailer that came out on D plus day. And I, I don't know about you, but, and this could be clever editing based on what was being said over top the footage, but I'm starting to think those shots of the planet that looks like it's being essentially mined to death with the little boy wearing like a uh, like a yellow type of poncho shirt, I'm pretty sure that's Cassian as a kid. Yeah, and those, those are the those are the flashback moments because it just seemed too coincidental when when Diego was talking about yeah you know we're gonna see what drives him from a kid and they're like oh well he's staring at his planet being eaten alive by the empire's harvesting machines and yeah. here he is as, as a little kid even walking into imperial structures unimpeded so it's like he learned from a young age how to uh, infiltrate the empire because they just never expected little schlubs like this boy could get in so 
I do think those shots we've been seeing in the trailer of this young boy with long hair and this yellow, uh, it's not a poncho. It doesn't have a hood, but yeah, you like know, a yellow, tunic of some sort. There, yeah. you know, yellow Star Warsy looking fucking shirt. <laughs> uh, you know, it almost looks like they're in a very simple village. It's they're not even in like a most icely type of settlement. I mean, no, it yeah. truly is like a a river village almost, like a river settlement. Yeah, yeah. Um, I- I, I definitely agree. I think that this is Cassian as a kid. And then, I mean, just the like the stark scene of him seeing the the strip mining operation that's going on and right. how that affects him. And, and not only that, but obviously, like you mentioned, we're probably going to get to see the scene where his father is executed by the Empire for, you know, disobeying their orders or whatever the hell. And honestly, it's early enough in the timeline that might be during the, I don't know if you've seen some of the trailers, but there's clips of clone troopers. Uh, So that, that very may well be when his dad is getting hung. Cause at that time you, you would have still had clones in, in active service trying to remember they were peaceful forces. They weren't trying to pacify all these planets of the galaxy. They were peacekeeping at that point in time. Uh, some other some other interesting moments from this spot. Uh, Nick, I got the one now. It's Luthen. He looks like he's scouting some sort of imperial. It, it almost looks like a, a manufacturing facility or like a raw materials facility. And this location pops up multiple times throughout all the trailers. So clearly, this is going to be a big operation for Luthen. And I'm wondering, do you think this is? Do you think this possibly could be? his first mission for Andor. Cassian. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do get that feeling. I mean, it's hard to see, you know, from how this shot is, if this is going to be a younger Luthen versus like an older one. Like if we're seeing like Luthen during the time period oh, of yeah, when yeah. Andor is a child or scouting. if this is, yeah. yeah. Or if this is like Luthen, as we see him when when he has the the encounter with with Cassian in the warehouse, um, but I can see this being the the primary mission that he's trying to send Cassian on when he first gets him, you know, like into the fold for lack of a better term. Because yeah, I mean, we see him kind of scouting it, and then the next image is literally like like you know now Imperial troop transports kind of looking to right. fly towards the same yeah. location. Well, dude, even even that night scene with the Imperial shuttle, that's the same location. Yes. Like if, if you look at the horizon, you, you see those, those processing those plants, machines. those towers yeah. or rigs or whatever the fuck they are. So um, clearly this is going to be a, a key Imperial location. And since Luthen appears to be scouting it, one has to guess that we're probably going to see our boy Andor doing something shady here uh, for yeah. hopefully his, his new friend Luthen. Yeah. Um, some other key things here. This we got a name, and I think her name has been released before, but now it's it's official. But I'm looking at the shot of it's Cassian. Now he's definitely wearing a poncho. Yeah. And he's with this other girl. She almost looks like a Sherpa. Uh, her, this is Vel Sartha, and I, I it almost appears that Vel Sartha also has a connection to Mon Mothma somehow, because I I think she is the one talking to Mon Mothma. Like, listen you need to start doing shit like like shit's going down out here for us commoners and yeah we we kind of need some help from the top but it looks like this val is going to be a key character in uh, andor's early journey with uh, 
ultimately get into the Rebel Alliance. And, and really, the other shots, the only one of note, well, there's two more. Uh, there's a, there was a shot of the Senate from behind Mon Mothma, and you can mm-hmm. see it. it. It's fucking dead empty. I mean, there's, yeah, there's nobody there. <laughs> you, you can see across from her, there might be like two a, a, or three people. Well, there's, you can count them. Any pod that has a light on it means there's yeah. people in it. So you got one, two, one, three, two four, three, five, four, six, five, seven six, seven total fucking pods yeah. from across her view out of thousands that are active. So that just goes to show you that it, during this timeline, five years prior to. Uh, Yavin, the Senate is a full-on fucking farce. I mean, it's just a yeah. full-on joke. Uh, n- no one's showing up. It, it, it resembles American Congress at this point in time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's nothing important's getting done. No one's there to even vote or debate anymore. Uh, and then finally, we get a look at what has to be Mon Mothma's husband. Yeah. Who, um, it, it seems, now that we know how old Genevieve is, it seems uh, Mom Mothma's husband is one of those older rich men that found himself a much younger uh, young babe to marry because yeah, uh, I, I forget who this actor is, but he is clearly many decades older than Genevieve O'Reilly, which is, yeah. which is quite all right. But um, yeah. she's Mon Mothma good. and Man Mothma. Man, right that's here. right. Man and Mon. <laughs> And and Mon is is looking good. There, I don't know about you, man, but there's something about redheads that just it just does something <laughs> for me. I can't help it. It's that red hair. It's like they're unicorns. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bat saying ET went home. That's for damn sure. At this point in time, he's fucking crash landed on Earth eating Reese's <laughs> yeah. Pieces. That that's why he can't attend the fucking Senate. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's like, I'm getting out, out of this galaxy. Fuck yeah. this. <laughs> hanging out with Elliot, getting COVID, turning white, and flying in bikes. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh, there you go. I mean, that, that's yeah. really all I had for Andor. I didn't, I didn't parse out the new trailer because for the most part, it was treading over the the same shit. And Andor's yeah. a week away. We know it's coming next Wednesday. We're ready. We're getting three episodes. So let's just let's just let that let that lie, and, and we'll get into full breakdown mode next week for three fucking episodes. I'm like, as as excited as I am, Nick, to see the content. Next Wednesday, I got a big fucking red X on it because I'm like, that's shit, a that's going to be a lot of work before my real work. And then, the, you know, the week after, we're going to have a, a fairly decently long show to parse through three episodes. But once we get through that, we'll be back to the um, lone episode a week cadence, which is much appreciated. And, and now we know Bad Batch is release date. So that relieves a little bit of stress from my shoulders as well. Yeah. All right. My friend, it is time for the D23, all things important that you need to know if you're a Star Wars fan discussion, okay? This went down on Saturday. Uh, I, I still think it was kind of surprising. I mean, Lucasfilm's posture for the, the weeks leading up to D23 is like, yeah, yeah, don't expect much, blah, blah, blah. Um, for damn sure we didn't get anything movies. I mean, movies are, are, are dead at this point in time. I, I saw one story like... It wasn't an official, but it was essentially saying don't even consider the idea of seeing a move, a Star Wars movie before 2024 at this point in time. So, oh yeah, um, if that's and I think that is probably the case. So now we're looking at 2025 and beyond for films. But luckily, Lucasfilm still thinks Star Wars makes sense for the small screen because that's where most of their attention has been spent, and that's where D23. Um, put all of its focus is on the the tv slate you know yeah they showed off indiana jones and they showed off willow 
But we're not here for that shit. This is a Star Wars <laughs> time show. We would never talk about anything that isn't Star Wars unless it's Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or, of the Rings. or anything else that we talk about when the show begins. Yeah. Uh, but, but for <laughs> now, we're not we're not talking indie. It was nice to see Short Round, you know, with Harrison. That was great. Um, Willow, I was never like, kook, you know, whatever. I, I, I like it. Love Warwick. Think he's a great guy. But I'll watch it when it comes out. I don't really care, though. All right. So, into the Star Wars stuff. We did get the final Andor trailer, but we just told you everything you need to know. We nailed it, so we don't need to go through anymore. You know what I mean? Um, Skeleton Crew. All right, so they're moving fast on this one, Nick. I mean, they, they they just made a lot of the castings official back at the end of May at Celebration, and I believe that's when they started filming. We learned this week from Favreau that... Uh, the genesis of, of John Watts coming over was the fact that Favreau worked on Spider-Man with him and, and kind of said, hey, do you want to come make some Star Wars with me? And, yep. and that's, that's how they got him for Skeleton Crew. But while we didn't get any plot details or any more official castings, we do have some rumored ones to talk about. We did get a, a, the first set pick. Green. Yes. And um, it, it kind of, you know, watch just a simple image of, of Jude in his in his costume. It does kind of pay off on the the synopsis of this show, which is a an older dude getting mixed up with younger characters on some sort of I don't want to say a, a coming of age journey, but, you know, like a young adult type of shit, you know, something yeah. like that. Some young adult hijinks. So you see. You see Jude's character, who we still don't know his name, but then you can see the young cast behind them. And the, the, the best part is, is he's looking at all these fucking ball, like door ball droids. I don't know from, the official yeah. name. Yeah, go ahead. Jabba's door. It looks Jabba's like door. the eyes from Jabba's palace that comes or, out. Or, or, even, yeah. or even in Mandalorian, they used it on the, um, the client's hideout. So yes. that thing, essentially the, the Star Wars version of a ring door lock. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> instead of ringing it and alerting a camera, it just fucking pops a robot eye out to talk shit to you before it goes back in and decides if you can come into the door. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, we can't really speculate much off of this. I mean, yes, they look like they're in a Star Wars project. He looks like someone that could be in Star Wars. Yes. And then there's robots that we know are in Star Wars. So it's definitely a Star Wars project. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, do you do you have like a tonal feel that you want to this? Because I bring this up because, you know, we've been watching She-Hulk, enjoying it. And I really feel like, you know, there's there's other Marvel shows that I haven't watched. Like I didn't finish Hawkeye, didn't finish Moon Knight. Um, but I got attracted to She-Hulk because it was something that was like completely different from what we had seen in, in, in Marvel up to that point where it was like, it is a comedy show. But Tony sacrificed, Nick. You're telling (laughs) me Tony sacrificed so she could twerk. This this fake, this fake guy died on, (laughs) in a fake movie. And now I'm supposed to feel like everything that's made after it should honor his fake memory. Um, but I like, I think that that kind of was a revitalization point for me, at least in my interest in Marvel, because it was tonally different and it gave us a different viewpoint within the Marvel universe. So you're you're saying Skeleton Crew could be the She-Hulk of Star Wars? I feel like it could be because like, 
I mean, it, it's clear. It's a show that is going to be focused on kids. And I feel like if you're going to do something that's a little bit more comedic, like this is the, this is the show to do it in. Like you could have hijinks, you can have offbeat moments. You could have stuff that's not like super serious, like a Jedi having his face dragged through fire because it's just a guy hanging out with some kids bumming yeah. their way around the galaxy. And I feel like that is something that this universe could also use is just a show that's more focused on levity and enjoying the galaxy that you live in than it is being completely focused on despair and all of the shit right. that's going wrong around you. So so <laughs> like, instead of Warner Brothers Star Wars, you're, you're hoping for a little bit more Marvel st- type of Star Wars. Yeah, I. I feel like we have we have gotten a heavy dose over the last 40 years of like everything sucks and we need a hero to save us. And maybe we're at a point to where we can say like, hey, man, look at this guy who's played by Jude Law. And, you know, these these uh, these kids that that live on his ship with him and look at all the the crazy shit that they get. Yeah, no, I I think that's a good it's a good point. And and I would be I'd be down with it. But you got to watch out. We know the 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 one wing of Star Wars fandom, uh, among other things they did not like in TLJ was the fact that Ryan tried to infuse a bit of of humor here or there. So you never know, man. You never know. Like we come up with good ideas, but one wing of the, of the fandom, they're sitting there right now with our voodoo dolls going like, die, yeah. you motherfuckers. This better not come true. I'm going to come to your house and stab your yeah. eyes out for real. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It, and we do know the only thing we know for sure, besides Jude is that it's set during the Mandoverse timeline, which opens it up for these characters to cross in and out. And there could definitely be some hijinks. You know, you bring Grogu into the mix. He's nothing but hijinks for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think he's going to get a little more serious in Mando Season 3 based on some of the uh, rumors we've heard about, a, you know, a bodysuit he may get. But, um, yeah, and, and I think Jude's a good character for that type of genre um to yeah. me he's kind of like a, a harrison ford he can be a strong type but in the same light he can also kind of be a wise ass you know what i mean like that yeah he doesn't he doesn't really have to um struggle to to change between those those two d- um, different types of character roles um but i'm 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 down with this one i mean anything in the mandoverse timeline uh, with with favreau and filoni tangentially attached uh, you know, obviously Favreau and and the other the other John, right? His name is John, right? Is it John Watt or John Watts? Watts, I believe. Yeah, they they clearly have a working relationship from the Spider Man franchise, and you know, I mean, just just look at the 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 amount of of levity in the Spider Man movies with Tom Holland. I think that's a good mix where yeah, you know, you you get some seriousness, you get some grittiness, but it's balanced by the the lightheartedness of a teenage superhero. And, you know, the comedy that, that comes in with that. So I, I do think, you know, Watts was brought in for a reason and Nick may be on to something. That reason could be to kind of de-seriousness yeah. this particular Star Wars project. And I, I, I think I would be open to that because, you know, for the most part, unless it is animated... Star Wars, as much as George wants to say it's made for children, its themes are heavy. I mean, its themes are familial, like essentially fucked up family relations, 
and uh, fucked up politics like that yeah, like that's heavy constant shit. intergalactic <laughs> conflict like i don't know how much like right like i've no said peace. in the past there's literally yeah. never peace in the star wars no. galaxy no you you get like a run of you know maybe two decades of peace before shit really starts to explode again and like yeah i mean you know, I think kids like it because like I said about the prequels, it's a lot of bright colors and fast moving pictures and stuff like that. But like when you actually watch and like take in the themes, once you're old enough to understand them, you're like, holy shit, like this guy just got his arms and legs cut off. And there there's like this this like non-familial but familial bond between these two people. And now their entire lives have been ruined. You have millions if not billions of people dead because of a uh, uh, galaxy-wide war that's been raging for well, yeah, you're right. god I mean, knows a, a how long a planet blows up and yeah. then a a fake planet blows up so so right there yeah. you're talking probably billions of of death yeah. and as you said you got guys burning to death and cursing out their quasi brother uh you got a, a dude beating his wife uh <laughs> I, I mean you got a dude killing kids so yeah i mean as much as that shit is for children and 10 year olds according to george it's it's not yeah Um, i mean george must have had a very rough family upbringing if that is his idea of yeah man it's all for kids it's all for kids fucking trade routes and taxation (laughs) man that's just what kids love yeah i mean i'll be i'll be honest i mean when charlie comes home she always wants to talk tax brackets with me so yeah i know she's like we learned about this in first grade maybe he was on to something he's like she's like damn it daddy what what tax bracket are we in now that trump passed that tax break a few years ago what is your annual household yeah are we the people that are carrying the load now instead of the rich people and corporations so yeah you're right i mean george george definitely knew what he was doing so um skeleton crew uh the other thing came came out last week not official coming out of d23 but apparently ravi cabo conyers and kriana cratter have been added to the cast as uh two of the children and from what i read neither one has really had any major roles so i didn't i didn't really provide much more information not that i find castings to be I mean, unless it's for a, a, a character or something like that to be breaking news, but we were talking skeleton crew, so why not? Yeah. Um, all right. Ahsoka, you know, they didn't show anything off. They didn't confirm the big Ezra leak that we're going to talk about. But uh, John and Dave did come out and talk about and showed off some official imagery that we can discuss. Um, we, uh, I think Favreau was quoted as saying, and again, this isn't his, so... He's he's more of a a watcher. He's like uh, Ahsoka's easily has some of the the best, if not the greatest lightsaber action battles I've ever seen. So that's that's a nice little promo for that. But we did get well, we were supposed to get three images, but my dumbass only included two. But the one I, I do want to point out is they have definitely reconfigured her makeup. Uh, so I got the image pulled up right now on the live stream. Uh, d- does that does that not look different to you, Nick? I mean, doesn't it like it, it just seems smoother overall, like especially on her face? Her face seems it's like a mo- more smooth application. I'd argue that the, the head tails themselves are indeed a bit more pronounced versus when we saw them initially in the Mandalorian season two. 
um, something looks different than how she appeared in Mando S2 to me, or am I crazy? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, you know, it's a screenshot of a picture that was on a screen. So obviously you're going to get some, some, yeah, you know, you're losing fidelity. Like, <laughs> exactly. Fidelity but, loss here. I mean, if we want to talk about like in universe stuff, like I had always said, I was like, we're meeting Ahsoka on Corvus, which is essentially a dead fucking planet that has almost like a poison atmosphere. So like your body is going to respond to that in a certain way, like whether you are a Togruta or a human or whatever you are. So it wouldn't be surprising to me if there was some sort of like touch up done to her aesthetic just to to even Make like her look a little more ragged <laughs> it's, yeah it's like it's like uh you're essentially saying people you know you've seen this before if people smoke their whole life they look 80 when they're 40 you know exactly I mean? like, or like <laughs> if you're or if you yeah, drink I mean, a lot you also look aged you yeah the liver spots and you get fucking yeah. shit all over your just face the, you're like, yellow imagine if you're like out in the fucking desert for three months and you have a lack of food water and everything else like but yeah i mean i have pictures pulled up uh of ahsoka from mando s2 and there there is definitely a more full feel to her to her head tails. Okay, well, I guess uh, I'll, I'll, let me let me bring one up so that people can see it because I, I thought it looked different. Yeah, I mean it, it it is it's as clear as day. Like and I and like in my head, if we want to sit there and say like, well, why why does she look different? It's the same character, but it. I mean, like you have to take into account like environmental impact on how like you know, her, her body responds to those things. But yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's pretty clear that like her, her head tails seem a little bit more full. Um, the, the coloration, it's definitely the, the head stuff is way more pronounced now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Hey, they, they figured something out. I know some fans will be like, see, they listened to us. I, I highly doubt it. They, they perfected a process yeah, remember we had Brian Sipe himself on this show who who helped develop the Ahsoka makeup. And and he even talked about from day one till day quit, the process improved by hours of, of work time, reducing them is what I'm trying yeah. to say. So, yeah, so you got that. The other cool shot you got there, Nick, was, uh, and I love Mural. this. I, I, yeah, they it's the live action version of the murals Sabine paints during the epilogue of star Wars rebels. And what I love the most is that Dave's like, fuck it. We're, we're going to use the exact look of the mural from the animated show in the live action because it's a fucking painting and we can. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that, you know, to someone that was a huge fan of rebels, th- that's just another little nugget, another little cherry on top of, of why I appreciate Dave Filoni and, and the level of care and thought that he puts into his Star Wars creations. So, yeah. you know, we're, if you're not looking on the live stream, we're looking at live action Sabine, Natasha Lou Bordizzo, viewing the mural that her animated self painted at the end of Star Wars Rebels. And do you think Dave took that home, this set piece now? Because, you know, it looks like you can break <laughs> it down into sections. Say, yeah, I mean, you is can this see something it, like, he has in his on. house, you think? You know what I mean? Oh, dude, I would not doubt it for a second. Like, 
if I was Dave, I'd be like, hey, man, let's uh, let's open up a wing in the house and it'll be like our uh, our, our mural room. Yeah, for all I, of our I would rebels. put that shit in my front yard like that would take yeah. up the grass in my front yard. And I would just have like, hey, no, this these are my lawn ornaments now. It's a fucking Star Wars Rebels mural that was used for live action. Um, so, hey, like I said, they didn't they didn't show anything new. Unlike the Mandalorian, they didn't even tickle our tits. With the um, celebration footage, they're, they're still keeping that under wraps. Uh, yeah, there you go. Bat saying it's his headboard, that his bed headboard. That, yeah, that's, a, bed. that's a perfect call. I, I like that for sure. Um, so, this, you know, it's Dave. It's his yeah. character. It's going to be fucking spectacular. They, they've already have gotten hyperbolic about it, and it's probably not even hyperbole. Uh, I, I think their excitement is genuine. I don't think People like Rosario and Dave, when they're talking to the media, I don't think they feel like they have to pump up the show to sell it. I think they're genuinely speaking from a a fan's perspective, like, this is the shit. Yeah. And it, it really has all the ingredients to be the shit, to rival The Mandalorian, if not, dare I say, exceed it based on the... In my opinion, the more ties to legacy Star Wars properties than what the Mandalorian had. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, so also, the, the like, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say the one other thing that we got from this is conf- basic confirmation that Mina Masud is not playing. Fucking yeah, us, we uh, can. We, that's a good point. We can guarantee. You know, you know, we 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 talk about rumors here on the show, and and we we have been discussing the the Mina Masood. As Ezra rumor for it feels like at least a year, if not more. And you know, before we get into talking about the 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 actor that we now think is the guy, uh, just to kind of go back and talk about Mina, you know, he played into it. He 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 kind of like Rosario first did when fans were trying to fan cast her. He he definitely took advantage of that on his social accounts, which I think added to the speculation. Like, is this real? Is he really going to do it? And you know, he he had the look. Uh, a yeah. lot of us, even on this show, we were we we're definitely like, yeah, we we'd fucking cast this motherfucker. Uh, but when the Iman Fondi rumor broke. Mina on his socials, I think this was was Saturday, came out and said, glad the rumors will stop now. Never really had a fair shot at it, unfortunately, one self-tape months ago, but just wasn't meant for me, I guess. Can't deny the dude looks exactly like Ezra. Hope it's done justice. Yeah. So as Nick said, he he's kind of coming out and saying like, yeah, I, I tried for it, but didn't get it. So it's definitely not me. Quit bothering me. Those rumors were indeed rumors. All right, so the new rumor, and this was first dropped by Cinelinks, then ran by THR, so then a lot of people started running it as gospel, like Lucasfilm made the announcement. I just want to clarify, this this has not been confirmed or denied, for that matter, by Lucasfilm. But last week, it broke, and we, you know, we did some short content on it, that Iman Esfandi will be playing live-action Ezra Bridger. Um, if, if you checked out my, oh shit, I had a post on it. I probably should pull out real quick. I mean, if you, if you look at this post and you're on the live stream, I'm going to pull up right now. You can't deny that this dude 
I mean, he who, looks exactly like. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, like, like, we were like, yeah, Mean is great, or this guy could do it, I think. But you look at Iman, and I, I have a side by side now up on the site yeah. if you're on the live stream. It's fucking dead nuts. It's like, yeah. uh, it, it's. It's as if this is who the animators based Ezra's look off of when they first yeah. drew him. I mean, it's 100%. spot on. And like the the side by side that we have in the article is the one where like Ezra had already shaved his head. If you pull up a younger Ezra, his hair is exactly yeah, like the hair that Iman Isfandi has. I should have used. You're right. I, I should have used I a mean, longer hair Ezra because it would have matched Iman's profile pic and Nick's right. Long hair yeah. to long hair. Hair. It is a one to one match. I mean, it's as yeah. it's as good as what they did with Bo Katan, right? They yeah. they drew Bo Katan as Bo Katan and then gave Katie the voice, but it's almost like they were drawing Katie into the role and then she eventually does become Bo-Katan in real life. It's kind of the same thing without Iman ever having done anything with the character of Ezra before. So yeah, um, th- this came from Cinelinks, Jordan Mason. We've talked about him before. He He's one of the poo flingers, but he does have a decent track record. So, uh, and the fact that other sites like THR started to run with it as gospel does lead me to believe that this is probably legit. And as Nick and I both said, and if you're watching on live stream, you're probably going to agree. If you are listening, make sure to check out the post we have on StarWarsTime.net because it's it's uncanny. Or even my in my short video breakdown, I, I give you some cross connection or, or cross shots as well. Um, so as Fondi again doesn't have many credits, which I yeah. I like. I I prefer. Star Wars actors to not be that prominent. I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't get bent when prominent actors get brought in for a cameo or a one-off right there. But I, I like actors that have either just stayed to the indie scene or don't have a ton of, I'm going to use a gaming term, AAA credits. You know what I mean? Like, like tentpole blockbuster type of movie shit. Uh, but as Fondy was recently in the King Richard movie, you know, the one that Will Smith punched Chris Rock over at the Oscars <laughs> and uh, whatever the hell the inspection is. Um, but yeah. just based on looks, it the dude is is dead on to live action or dead on to Ezra. Yeah. 100%. So hopefully this is indeed legit. Uh, I guess, hey, you know, if, if we were super Star Wars sluice, we could go back to the cast and crew poster that Natasha shared a few weeks ago and, and scan signature by signature and see if there's like an E squared in there anywhere or an EE yeah. or any mon spelled with an I instead of an E to throw us off. Maybe um, that was that smudge. Remember yeah, there was right, that one that, smudge spot? Where he's, like, the Mark clearly- Hamill. he's the Mark <laughs> Hamill signature. It's It's been Iman all along. It yeah. was never Hamill. It was Iman. Yeah. Um, but I, I I hope this is legit because I don't I don't think you could ask for at least visually a better casting than Iman yeah. Fondi for Ezra Bridger. So 100%. now it's just down to are we going to get a strong rumor or, you know, strong signs to who's playing Thrawn? Because uh, no one has really, you know, Disney hasn't committed to that. We've heard Lars, the voice actor. We've heard other people. So who knows? He he's kind of the last one that that's being kicked around at this point. But you got to figure they're shooting the fucking show now. 
So it, it's happened, and they've just done a really good job so far at, at keeping things under wraps. So we'll see. Maybe later this week. You never know. Usually when we do an episode of the Star Wars Time Show, within a day or two, some major news is going to drop. So let's, uh, let's kind of hope for that. All right. Yeah. Getting back to our D23, Bad Batch Season 2. So before the official announcement at D23, we put out a, a short former on this. Some motherfucker out there is writing scripts to comb Disney Plus databases looking for data, <laughs> and it actually looks like it was legit that uh, Bad Batch isn't going to premiere now until January 4, 2023, because that is the date that was revealed at D23. So I know we've been talking about Bad Batch, and uh, dates have been switching every fucking week on this show. Well, there you go. It, it's official, and I do think that Lucasfilm initially wanted it to be September but once they delayed Andor and made it a three banger I think they're like you know what we just need to pump the brakes here and let's kind of save Bad Batch for our in between of um between Andor and the Mandalorian season three so yeah sadly Bad Batch fans we're not getting to it on the 28th and uh, I haven't checked my Disney Plus to see if they've updated the listing and removed coming soon. Because in my opinion, January, we're in September, coming soon four, doesn't work to me. Like that, yeah, that four, four months. Yeah, that's, that's a little not coming too soon. far out for <laughs> that's soon. That's not coming soon. Coming soon was when it was on the 28th. But alas, looks like our uh, Clone Force 99 will not be returning until the 2023 season. But hey, we're going to get it right when the fucking clock turns. So January 4, be on the lookout for that. All right, now we got one that I kind of want to spend a bit of time on. Not a ton, but I honestly think out of all of the D23 reveals, trailers, whatever, Nick, Star Wars Tales of the Jedi was the most intriguing to me. I have not seen it, so you're going to have to take the run on this one. I'll run with it. And, you know, the the, the best part about the Tales of the Jedi announcements from D23 is we got a release date. October 26th, the whole anthology is dropping. Uh, It is an anthology, so I would assume episodes are going to be 10 minutes or less. Yeah. Uh, They will not be your standard 23-minute long animated episodes. Uh, But we got a a new trailer for it, and it kind of teased... To me, it looks like there's going to be two main stories being told, and that is the story of Ahsoka Tano from baby to Anakin, and then the story of Dooku before he fully breaks bad. Yeah. And I, I'm just loving what I'm seeing. Uh, the, the one thing I want to point out, for those people that get all crazy about how characters may look different in animation between live action... If you look at this version of animated Dooku and then you remember what he looks like in the Clone Wars, all that shit needs to stop. Because even even here, they're completely changing the look of characters. It's either that or once you join the dark side, you just you age have to, immediately. Yeah, you have to go through a face elongation ceremony to where Sidious pulls on your jaw until your 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 jawline grows by about six inches. Because young Dooku doesn't have that fucking Popeye style chin that he does in the Clone yeah. Wars. But anyway, I will it, say there's like one image. It's like when it looks like he's fighting Yaddle that like you get kind of a side profile view that, I mean, it, it may just be that his beard is longer. His beard, but he, yeah. he, 
his face beards, does I, look I tr- a little bit more. Yeah, you might Dooku. be right. He he was just going for a playoff beard in the Clone Wars versus yeah. now. So yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyways, Nick, I did take some screens of this trailer. Just going to step through a, th- a few, maybe speculate or just kind of say I like this. And, and the first one, I absolutely love seeing ba- like baby as fuck Ahsoka saving herself with the Force by essentially re- reaching out to this saber-toothed beast. Yep. I'll take anything Ahsoka. The fact that we're essentially going to get her origin story that just that's just one of the main reasons why I think Tales of the Jedi is going to kick ass. So I love that. I like even seeing Ahsoka's parents. I mean, who knew? Who knew her dad had a blue face? All right, she she clearly gets her looks from her mother. So <laughs> stupid shit. But this is the stuff I find interesting. I love lore of any kind, even if it's just simple. Hey, there's her parents. Uh, I I absolutely think the Dooku and Qui Gon stuff is going to be some of the more compelling prequel era. Well, hell, it's not even. It's pre-prequel era content. Because, Nick, you can see in this trailer that Dooku, at least at this point in the game, was was starting to get even more squirrely than Anakin was towards his fall. Like, to me, Dooku is already flirting with the fucking dark side at this point in time because... It seems he and Qui-Gon get called to some planet to kind of settle a dispute. But it looks like Dooku's form of settling a dispute is more like... Let me kill everybody. Yeah, how Anakin wanted to settle the disputes. Because immediately, he's whipping out his fucking lightsaber when this, like, army force comes to him. There's there's no negotiations like Qui-Gon would have done when he was a master. And you can even see looks on young Qui-Gon's face. Like, he's, he's like, oh, shit. Like, uh, this, this isn't what we do, right? Yeah. Dooku, like, th- this isn't who we are. But um, who else likes seeing Dooku with a blue lightsaber? And he still has, like, a fucking curved hilt. Like, the, I the found curved, that to be... The curved blade, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I, found I mean, he I, really is like a... He is a count. Like, he is like a, a royal, almost. But he, yeah. he joined the Jedi Order, and that's... I, I found that to be interesting. Um, yeah, so there, there's that look. Like, Qui-Gon, again, he just has this look of, of consternation. Like, this isn't what I was taught... Um, I know I'm going to grow up and kind of become an atypical Jedi master, but even this is getting a little too fucking dark for me. Like, he's like, I don't know about this. Uh, and it looks, again, it looks like Dooku, young Dooku, is going to go on a mission with Mace, where yep. instead of trying to talk things down, he's just fucking waving his lightsaber at people's throats to the point where Mace Windu has to go. Dooku, like, hello? hello like this isn't who we are um like yeah this shot right here i have on the live stream if you're watching i mean he literally cuts through a dude's gun and places his saber right at his throat not something you'd see from a jedi especially during this time when there wasn't a war they were peacekeepers and they were probably sent here to quell some form of disagreement right yeah yet here he is swinging his big dick sword, chopping people up and getting ready to slice, slice their heads off. So, I mean, um, I could see this already. Like you can see the seeds of who he becomes. Like I haven't even seen this trailer, but just seeing 
his positioning and who he's fighting against, like he essentially, you know, when he turns to the dark side, takes up the the cause of the Confederacy of Independent States, which is essentially like, for lack of a better term, it's like a cause for the people. Like there are like people out there who don't want to be underneath the the Republic kind of rule and, and governing stance. So right. like, in this instance, you can see him. He's standing with a group of townspeople who are also armed, and he's fighting against a heavily armed government force. So, like, you could already see the the seeds of his downfall coming, and even though it's not as, like, it may not be as sinister as it seems, like, he's essentially helping these villagers who don't want to be a part of a fucking... Yeah, you know, a, a conglomerate or, go, or government takeover or whatever. You're not wrong. The I think again, the interesting thing here is the way he's doing it. It's it's oh, a yeah. little more edgy for Jedi. It, he even says something along the lines, and it, it, it was very Anakin esque to me. He says it to Qui Gon, like I said, it catches Qui Gon off guard. But he more or less says like. Sometimes you need to fucking, you know, break eggs to make a cake. You know, one of those type of deals. Like, hey, you know, I know we're Jedi, but sometimes you got to fucking cut some body parts off and kill some people to actually get order. That's it. He's already into this, this order thing, like order through force. And Anakin also starts to subscribe to that. Like, hey, if you guys just fucking listen to me, we'll be good. And the reason you'll listen to me is is through order. Like, if we have order, there will be peace. But to get order, we got to fuck you up. So, and, and that's not very Jedi-like. And and you're, you're right. I mean, Count, at this point, he's probably a few days away from his meeting with Sidious to fully commit to leaving the order and joining him to become a, a Sith apprentice. I mean, so much so, as you said... You know, I'm just jumping around the screens. I wonder who do you think's in the coffin? That they're, that yeah, they're, I mean, um, it's got to be. I'm assuming I mean, it's, it's a, a Jedi, right? It's a I mean, Jedi you got, because you see all the other Jedi who are here. I'm in just mourning. I'm wondering who would be getting this type of of wake in the Jedi Order. You, you wouldn't think that the Jedi. And it's know, they, not usually, like, they usually burn their kind, right? They just fucking lit up Qui Gon. They didn't. They didn't do some big it's ceremony not for him. Sifo Diaz, right? Because nobody well, knew that know, Sifo Diaz know. was dead, yeah. though. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So at first it's I was like, him. oh, you know, that would be interesting. But you're right. I mean, he kind of he didn't quit the order. He he just kind of became. He just like disappeared. Yeah. Exactly. Probably because Dooku and Sidious fucking kill him because his name was too close to Sidious. Yeah, he's like, a, you can't have that name because this is my that, that name. That is still one of the, <laughs> the, the biggest mind fucks. I'm just like, George really sat down. I was like, yeah, I'm going to call this one guy Sifo-Dyas and this other guy Sidious, but they're not going to be the same guy. Like, it's not going to be yeah. a, a mistake or, or someone heard the names wrong. Yeah. It's literally a Sifo-Dyas in Sidious. Yeah, it's like, let me take out the F here, and then okay. look at that, it's a new name. <laughs> like, all right, dude, you got it. We love you, though. But yeah, um, I mean, because Sifo Diaz is, the, is ostensibly the name that that Dooku uses to place the order for the clone army. That's my you know? thinking. Like, I, I never yeah. believed that it was just like the Sifo Diaz guy did it on his own. I mean, he it was all it was all part of the, the grand plan. Yeah, exactly. 
All right. Um, some other interesting shots. Uh, I mean, hey, it was great seeing Yaddle. I I think it's interesting that they're including her. You know yeah. what I mean? Because why is this are they trying to lay some more history for her for another big reveal to come with with grogu because you think about it i mean yaddle's like a throwaway character you you see you see her in the phantom menace and then that's it like she just fucking disappears but it, it looks like here and and i like again here's here's the whole parallel lines of star wars it looks he just like we see in Attack of the Clones. We're gonna get a Yoda-like character fighting Dooku, so yeah. it, it seems like Tales of the Jedi is going to walk Dooku up all the way to his betrayal to the point where Yaddle sniffs him out and 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 does some battle. So I, yeah. I'm excited for that type of stuff. Like I said, it is this show is nothing. It's gonna be nothing but lore for the fucking Jedi, and that is super exciting for me. Animated series or not. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then ultimately, Nick, I want to get your insights here. This Inquisitor wearing this mask and the fact that it approaches Ahsoka, I'm thinking this takes place after the Siege of Mandalore. Like, this is like the last shot I have here. If you're on the live stream in the gallery, that's Ahsoka. After her and Rex have crash crash landed that fucking ship and buried the three thirty second, I think you're because right. Why th- there there was no Inquisitors during the prequels, right? There was no Inquisitors during the the the, the Clone Wars. The Inquisitors showed up as the Empire came to power. So it does look like Tales of the Jedi is going to show us Ahsoka as a baby and take us all the way up through the clone wars and kind of give us an idea of what she was doing at the beginning of the empire, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the one kind of blind spot we have for Ahsoka at the moment is like, what, what is essentially happening to her right before she gets introduced into rebels? Um, Do you think this inquisitor is the first brother or do you think this is ultimately going to be the grand? Even though he's yeah, wearing I mean, a mask that definitely probably wouldn't work with his type of head. I mean, it, it, it's a good question because I believe, I mean, does the Grand Inquisitor have red eyes like in the, in the, in, not no, he's got like, yellow not, eyes. Yeah, he doesn't have, these almost look mechanical. So you yeah, wonder these almost like, look what, like what, it's part of a mask or part I of mean, I know it's an Inquisitor because the captions were on. It literally said Inquisitor. <laughs> and yeah, might no. you be? And you can Plus, see too. He's wearing, like the, you can, he's wearing the Imperial um, symbol on his, sh- on his yeah. uh, cape as well. Yeah, and you can also see that the lightsaber he's holding matches the lightsaber of every other Inquisitor. It's got the right. hand guards around it and it's a double blade. He does, like that, you know, so. if you look at it, he does look kind of slim like the Grand Inquisitor was. So I'm yeah. thinking it is truly the Grand and he's just sporting that helmet for some reason. Or it's first brother because we've never, it, it, I don't think it's ever been confirmed if first brother just became the grand or if the first brother was like all the other numbers we just talked about and yeah. it, it died and they moved on the two and then on the three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, yeah, but yeah, that, that, when I saw that, I'm like, hold on what red lightsabers, tales of the Jedi, that doesn't make a ton of sense. But then when I saw Inquisitor, I said, whoa, shit, it looks like we're, we're truly going to get uh, decades worth of Ahsoka's life in this series. So, um, yeah, 
October 26th, you're going to get the full dump. I don't know how I'm going to process this one. Uh, maybe I'll do favorites, key moments, Easter eggs. I, who knows? But it, that's going to be a double duty type of day. So I already have it circled on the calendar. But I, I love the trailer and I'm, I'm digging the two narratives. It looks like this, this uh, anthology, anthology of shorts is going to focus on Ahsoka and young Dooku up to his not necessarily fall to the dark side. I wouldn't classify Dooku as a fall. He, he kind of made a conscious plan choice to join where Anakin's is more of a fall in my opinion. Yeah. Like an actual fall from grace. Yeah. I, I agree with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, that's telling me the inquisitor showdown happens in the Ahsoka book. All right. So cool. Okay. Guess we'll find out more in tales of the Jedi. Like I said, October 26th, Disney plus you'll get the full drop. Okay. Mandalorian season three. We got the trailer. I took some screens uh, some of the stuff we we car- we kind of already talked about. Some stuff there's really nothing you can talk about. But um, things that I think may be of use, we'll we'll go ahead and and discuss here. You know, it looks like the little guy. Oh, the the reason I took this shot, I I mean, it's the shot of Grogu coming out in his new little bucket. Yeah. And and behind them, I'm pretty much I'm pretty sure that is Bo Katan. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say that's it, not. Din, because you could tell it, it, Din's armor yeah, very easily. And his, his ship doesn't have yeah. a fucking drop ramp. anymore, a ramp. He doesn't have that. So, and, and we do know at some point in time, she is with Grogu alone for whatever nefarious reason she may have in her head, because she's very passive-aggressive to the little fucker. And she's like, oh, I bet your dad didn't tell you there's more of us. Like, do you really think Grogu gives a shit at this point in time? Like, <laughs> Din is the guy. I mean, Grogu left a Jedi master to be back with Din. He, he, he ain't going to be buying what any other Mando is selling him. Uh, the shot of Grogu and Din in kind of like this broken down thing. I'm wondering, are we, are they on Mandalore already? Are they exploring ruins looking for a way to the mines under Mandalore? Or are they in the mines already? Uh, in this um, second shot here where you got even Grogu's helping yeah. him out. He, he's got his little, got a little flashlight light on. Din's got his headlight on. Um, but it does, it does feel like they, they may possibly already be on Mandor or Mandor Ma- Mandalore. <laughs> Mandalore at this Mandalore. point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think so. Same with this other shot where, you know, he's around all these you know, craggy things, craggy rocks that, that has a, if we're going for the, mines beneath mandalore the waters beneath mandalore feel that that has that aesthetic to it um the other shot right after it i mean this bodes well for i mean it almost it almost looks like he is in a mine at this point in time you know or beneath a city like it sounds like where this water could be how there's even fucking water down yep, there. there's water I mean, coming down right there's there. water coming yeah. and it's and it's him and his boy exploring it definitely looks like they're in the location that the armorer teased. Yeah. Uh, we get a shot of Bo. All right. She's in this, as we're calling it, a stronghold. It's definitely not the throne room from the Clone Wars. But Nick, I am, now that I think about it, I believe she's watching that Mandalorian gauntlet fighter come down. And it does look like that Mandalorian fighter is landing on Mandalore because you see... Yeah. That the remains of that blown out superstructure from the night of a, a thousand tears, whatever thousand it was, tier, like yeah. their it was like their senate or their main political hall, something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right, so we get and the I mean, shot of of all the different mandos, and it's yep. it's the interesting part about it is you, Nick, you had these other hodgepodge armor mandos, and then Din comes out from behind them, almost like they're not protecting him, but it's almost like they're following him already. Didn't it feel like he was like coming out to kind of see what they are already looking at, which implies yeah. like they're already with him? Yeah, yeah, I had that feeling too. I think that like. I mean, for for a lot of these men, I mean, one thing that we that we should keep in mind is like for a lot of these men like they've never been to Mandalore before. Like this may be their first time truly seeing the destruction that was wrought upon their ancestral home world by these factions that they've been trying to hide from, especially if these are other members of coverts, you know, like. If these are also bunker boys and I'm right about like these, you know, the, the, the bunker kids kind of coming out into the open for the first time, then like they, they may be, this may be the first time that they've seen like the true scope of the destruction of their ancestral home world. So, well, Hey, here's, uh, here's the other interesting thing to think about, you know, if this shot is Din and, and these are other, as, as Nick's calling them covert, covert mandos. You have to almost argue that many of them are probably foundlings that weren't even proper Mandalorians. I mean, a lot of yeah. the coverts Mandos are probably just like Din. Yeah. Um, you could argue that it's probably just the Armor and Paz and maybe a few others that were actual Mandalorians from Mandalore or its moons. So, yeah, it, it plays into what you said. I mean, they're now, all the shit she's been peddling to them in Mando Church, they're now seeing it. They're yeah. witnessing it. They're experiencing it. And, and they probably are having a lot of emotions, yeah. even being just foundlings. I mean, Din's a fucking foundling, and look how loyal he is to the Creed, and look how much it affected him when it was taken from him. So, yeah. She does a damn good job indoctrinating the foundlings into believing that yeah. they are the people that she's telling them they are and that they are allowed to partake in the history of Mandalore proper. Yeah. And I mean, you can I, like I get that feel, too, because I mean, if just look at their armor. It's it's just like it, Din's was before he got his hands. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's shit that they found. It's shit that you know, was given to them from other Mandalorians yep. that had fallen in battle or something like that. Whereas if you look at Axe and the Night Owls and, and all of the, they have well, like dude, more even, cohesive even armor sets. I yeah, mean, even, even Paz. Even, yeah. And the armor, like the, their armor matches. That's a great point. And to me, that that's almost our way of telling like, okay, those are probably traditional Mandalorians with Mandalorian blood where... The Mandos we're going to see that have, you know, orange helmets and dirt, steel brown chest plates, they're probably foundlings and they're probably of the creed, which means they're a little more intense in their belief system. And, and you know, our boy is too, but we also know he's learned a lot in his two seasons of being away from the covert. So how is he going to manage kind of the, the, the two worlds he's been living in? How's he yeah. going to manage the, the nuts with the 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 Bo Katans, but also just with the other people he's ran into, and he's seen that like you know you don't have to be a Mandalorian to do something great. I mean, look at this little green guy. This little green guy has 
saved me now more than I've saved him. Very true. So I, I yeah. love all this Mandalorian shit that could come down. Uh, you know, obviously he's gonna he's gonna visit grief. Grief is looking to be much more than just a a bounty hunter guy now. I mean, I, I think he was yep. already kind of magistrate ish in season two, but he looks he almost looked like he's a fucking king at this point. I love yeah, the, I know. He, I love the capes he's got. Role. Like he he's like fuck Lando Calrissian. I'm going <laughs> for the best cape wearer in all of Star Wars. That's right. Uh, you, you can see the IG-11 memorial behind the two. So, uh, yeah. I mean, of course, if it's the Mandalorian, there is going to be an episode where Din has to go back and rely on some of his past friends, with grief being one of the biggest. One, yeah, uh, 100%. You know, we talked about this before when this was leaked, but it, it, and we got two shots in this look that confirms it. But for some reason... Din is going to have to go back to Palimoto and ask for an astromech droid. And he gets uh, fucking I, R4? <laughs> no, yeah, and it, well, R, it's going to be R5. R5, and, yeah. And um, I, maybe he needs it for hyperspace coordinates or I, I don't know. But for someone in season one that couldn't stand droids to realize their potential through IG-11, he, he's going to be coming full circle if he's going to have to go back and ask Pelly for one of her coveted droid companions to use for, you know, whatever mission this is. And I mean, it looks like he's blowing up some sort of Imperial type of ship, but it also doesn't quite look like an Imperial type of ship. It's like, it, it almost, doesn't it almost look like a plank that's like flying in midair? Like that that's Imperial what I was gonna gray, say. but it's almost like a wooden yeah. plank. It doesn't angle out like a, a Star it, Destroyer or anything. It almost looks like it's, put together from like salvage parts yeah you know like it's, it's, it's like a big fucking freighter of some sort yeah yeah so um yeah i'm not uh, sure another interesting shot here oh like i said so Bo sitting on her throne sitting in his room and then you know there's shots of this gauntlet fighter coming down the horizon and the shot we're looking at now it's from like the cockpit of a gauntlet fighter and i believe that is it's Mandalore. Like, that's that big dome structure that got blowed the fuck up. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm 100% believing this is Mandalore. I mean, we were talking about just like, even if, if Bo-Katan isn't in the, the throne or isn't on the throne of Mandalore proper, she's got some sort of yeah, it's, stronghold and her home world is Mandalore. She, like, right. she wasn't one of the Mandalorians that was born on Concord Dawn or another planet that's she, like a part of the She chose to, bra- I mean, she... She was in the, the royal fucking family. Like, yeah, she was there. I mean, come on. But yeah. So, yeah, I, I think uh, and, and here is her throne room. She's got, you know, the night out blue up there mm-hmm. and sitting very lonely at the end. I mean, like you can just tell Bo-Katan is not doing well mentally. Uh, yeah. I mean, look at her. She, she's very uh, confrontational to Din. Nick brought up the quote where she essentially says, like, hey it's your kind's fault that we're all fucked up, which, you know, it's comical coming from Bo-Katan if you know her true past. Uh, But she clearly is not over what happened in the season two finale where she realized that her quest to get the Darksaber through combat and to earn it the right way and to start becoming the proper rule of Mandalore has now been taken from her by one foundling named Din Djarin. And... I know we all were wondering, like, how is she going to process this? Because they were friendly with each other. Uh, they, they, you know, they had to finish that mission in season two. It's not like they she could just fucking shoot him in the head and take it right away. 
But, you know, how would she cope? And it does seem from this trailer she is not coping well at all. Uh, so much so that it, it might be all-consuming. And one of the reasons why I think she is going to be an early antagonistic type of character towards Din and, and, and Grogu and their ultimate goal. Yeah, um, yeah. Other things like of note. This one here, Nick, these guys, it's it's few images down the grid. They they all have blue. It's not the Death Watch blue, and they do yeah. have some colors mixed in. Piece together stuff. But I they mean, all I, wear like, blue helmets, and these are the guys that dropped out of the drop ship. Do, so do you think these are Bo-Katan-esque Mandos, or, or do you think these are Kool-Aid drinkers? Yeah, I mean, it's a hard one, because what I think is happening is, like, if you... This is on Navarro, like, or wherever or, or, this or, is... Or, or wherever grief is at now right yes is that what you're, yes yeah, exactly me too i i, I kind of thought the same way yeah so do you think they're just coming there to hunt down din then maybe so dude it's it's hard to tell right now because you can clearly see that like in the in the screen so the one you're talking about you we're seeing a whole bunch of blue on these mandos for sure that does kind of have a bit of a night owl feel to it in the next screen next to right. it that big thing, like that's where the IG-11 statue was. Like that, that shit just I, got blown the fuck up. I think you're um, right. Like I honestly, I was, I was kind of uh, thinking along the same lines that this, yeah. where these mandos are getting dropped in to do some sort of gorilla hit, it does resemble that, that place where we just saw, um, you know, Din shaking hands with. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like a hundred percent sure that it is. I mean, you can compare it. They got the same. Um, like little awnings around it. The color of the buildings yeah. are all the same. I, the street type is the same. So, I mean, if that's the case and in, in grief is now kind of like a warden of the new Republic, whatever planet he's on is being invaded. It's not Mandalore. That's for sure. The last planet that we knew he was on was Navarro, but Navarro also didn't have like this, this, this type of feel to it. So if anything, like maybe they are there to like to hunt down um to hunt down Din and maybe this is like the armorer's faction like putting it out there because she she did ultimately give him an ultimatum like you know See yeah you, I that that's interesting cuz and that's why I'm leaning towards these may be bowmandos because I feel like she has more of a an angle to take him out than the armor cuz the armorer she kicks him out, right, Nick? But then immediately gives him an, a way back Another in. Another way back in, So yeah. it's like, I mean, is she just trying to make his, his journey more of a challenge to truly see if he is the chosen one that I think that she thinks she knows he is, if that makes sense? Um, but, you know, they do sort of have piecemeal armor, which doesn't lend themselves towards the bow, but they also do match. Like, they all have blue helmets. They all have blue shoulder pauldrons. They all have, yeah. like, the, 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 the orange gauntlet. So their armor does kind of kind color, of color coordinate, as silly as that sounds, but that's what the Mandos fucking did. Like, families yeah. would base their armor around their colors. Just, just like in Game of Thrones, they would base... Their, their, their dress and their attire around their banners. So yeah, I, I'm thinking that this could be Bo early on, just, just trying to fuck with them. You know, like, Hey, bring, bring this cocksucker to me. Let, yeah. Let's talk. I, I need to talk to this guy and decide if we're going to duel 
or, or how can we how can we figure this dark saber yeah how can out? we resolve this um uh, yeah i mean it's 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 hard to tell who's who's they are but they're definitely after din i mean having those two screens um you know kind of right after the other they're definitely looking for for din whether okay. he's there or not hard to tell but yeah I mean, it does seem to be like a guerrilla operation because, like I said, the uh, excuse me, the the scene where you see them, dro- you know, dro- dropship style, like you know, Halo, the, those people, the drop shoot, drop troopers. Well, I guess rebels, rebels. Our girl, our girl Gina. Hey, yep. did you see one of her new movies came out or a trailer I did not. for it? It's a, about not. Hunter Biden or something like that, and she's a Are secret you? service agent. Yeah, it's pretty good. Nice. <laughs> it looks great. Like. It's definitely, definitely the, the same caliber of production that that Star Wars was. So yeah, I'm yeah, glad, I'm glad she landed on her feet and didn't lose her opportunities to make money. Um, we got a a shot of Pershing. I like that they're keeping that thread alive. They have to because they haven't fucking paid off on it yet. I mean, th- this guy's been here from episode one in a in a key role, stealing Grogu, shooting him up, taking stuff out of him, giving it to Gideon setting up that lab on Navarro. So I'm glad he's still in the mix. Uh, You would have to think at this point, he's a new Republic asset because, you know, he was in their, uh, in their possession at the end of season two, because he was on that ship that they commandeered. And remember, I forget if it was Bo or one of them shoots his fucking ear off. So, um, but I'm I'm glad he is still here because that's the stuff I love. I love, I love speculating on the overall plot, but I like getting updates on little threads that were started way back when that should blossom into bigger threads moving forward. And then, yeah. like I said, I mean, clearly you got to have if it's a, if it's a Mando, you got to bring in Pelly. I love that she's essentially a main character at this point. Yeah. Why does he need her R five? That's the interesting part. Like, why does Din decide? You know what? Grogu's gonna sit shotgun with me in between my crotch. And I'm going to use that droid port now. And typically droids were needed for navigation for the most part. So I don't know. Maybe he forgot how to do hyperspace navigation on his own because he sure didn't need it in the book of Boba Fett. Uh, But for some reason, he's got to get R5, which is fun. And and maybe R5 will go out in a in a ball of or in, in a, a, in a, in a flames blaze of, of glory. Yeah, there you go. That's what I was trying to say. I, I had everything but blaze. I had glory <laughs> and balls, but no blaze. Yeah, you know, maybe he'll finally make up for that bad fucking motivator that robbed him yeah. of becoming the hero of the rebellion way back when on the Lars um, farmstead. So, uh, and then again, like I said, Babu's here. And, and I ultimately think... And it, 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 Nick, I swear, if you look at the at what Babu is, what's on his workbench, you can convince your your head that those could be IG eleven parts. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because when I can when see we, that. I don't know if you were here when I talked about this before, when we knew Babu was going to be involved, and we talked about the the rumor many months ago how uh, Grogu is potentially getting some Hulkbuster type of armor made out of IG eleven. And what better species to do this to bring a dead droid back to life, or at least to get his memories, than Babu Frick, the one oh, that, yeah. that essentially raped C-3PO in Tross and turned him into that Sith bot for a little bit and then mind wiped him back to Goldenrod. So um, that, 
it's a nice little cameo for for a fan favorite character from the sequel trilogy, but I do think it has meaning, and that meaning is the resurrection in some capacity of the great IG Eleven. Yeah, no, I think that that's a good call. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else they would use him for, right? You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna have anybody else. Uh, at least a known character in the galaxy that's going to be able to, to put together something for Grogu to use like that. So I think that's a, it's a good little cameo to bring him yeah, back. And, and we're already going to have a tiny character puppet in the cockpit. We've seen that Grogu. So we don't need yeah. Babu to do that again, where he's like, Hey, <laughs> you know, waving out a, Zori's ship. ship, (laughs) There you go. I I mean, I know a lot of you have have seen a lot of this footage. This trailer was comprised of a lot of the celebration stuff, but it was good to get it in in HD and and publicly released. So, um, and yeah, tones like that, that those blue mandos we were talking about most definitely could be another clan, but is that clan aligned with the way Bo thinks or are they aligned with the, as we call them, the Kool-Aid drinkers. That's the interesting yeah. part. Like like Rick just said earlier in the show, when we read the uh, his interview, like, listen, we're, we're going to get into Mandalorians and more importantly, the Mandalorian culture. And that culture part is what Nick was saying. There, there's, there has to be a reckoning between these two factions before they can move on and do what they really need to do. Like, they need to figure their shit out, get the family stuff out of the way, and then once they can do that and kind of unite behind a singular leader, which I think we all are predicting is going to be Din, either through reluctance or through prophecy, uh, then they will be that formidable force that the Empire was so worried about and why they did get their hooks in early. Like Sidious, you, you can almost argue that Sidious knew early on that Mandalore was a system that he had to fucking put down first and fast. Early. Yeah. Otherwise, they could have they could have really fucked up his plans for the empire. Well, yeah, I mean, you would have to imagine that that Sidious knew about the Mandalorian War versus the Jedi back in the old Republic days, and like if they can do that too, the right. entire like the the full strength of a Jedi Order, like you don't want to have them as a player on the field for what you're about to do. And the crazy thing is, Nick. As, as much as we're all just figuring, like, the Mandalorians are going to figure their shit out and, and kick the Empire's ass, we kind of know may the not. answer. We know the yeah, answer. They, I mean, the, the First Order comes out of the ashes of, of the Empire and the Remnant, so... And there's no Mandos to be found. <laughs> nope. I didn't see any Mandalorians during uh, 7, 8, or 9, right? Did you? Yeah, I, can't, so. I can't remember any. So there is a chance that there this, this culture war, something that... A lot of us humans experience a lot of us here in America. I don't know what it's like around the rest of the world, but we, we literally that, that our politics are nothing but culture wars now, which is funny because that's not what politics is. Politics is policy and law. It's not, Hey, if just, just because someone says another party is going to do something because that's what they believe in, that doesn't mean shit. That's just to get you excited and vote for something that you probably don't need to vote for. But I'll save that for the politics time cast. Yes. So yeah, I mean there there is a there is a great chance that everything we think about these Mandalorians and we know their greatness and their potential, their egos and and belief system could ultimately prevent them from ever fully 
forming and becoming a galactic power again. And that's that's crazy to think, but sometimes that happens to these these warrior cultures. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, and if they do kind of plan for you know the lack of Mandalorians that we see in the sequel trilogy. So. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I don't want to go much into it because we, we're we're coming up against the clock here. But if if Gideon was on Mandalore in possession of the dark saber, you could argue that he may have some loyal Mandalorians to him that could come in and kind of fuck up some of this. stuff. That's what I was gonna say. Is like at at this moment, we're we're under the assumption that there are two primary factions that are going to be fighting in this war. You have the the the. Creed Mandalorians, and then you have the Bo-Katan faction of Mandalorians, but there's almost always a third faction that comes out of nowhere, like that just pops up that you're not expecting that really throws a wrench into what would seem to be a clear cut kind of fight. And there are people like if you are a hardcore to the letter Mandalorian and it is whoever wins the Darksaber by combat is your leader, then, you know, maybe there are some people out there who are still like, yeah, you know, we're, we're loyal to fucking Gideon. They so. did. I mean, it, it's, it's been proven. I mean, Gar Saxon would have been one of the first one to lick his boots if he wasn't dead at the, or, well, we don't know when Gideon arrives. You'd have to, uh, well, he has to be there during the rebels timeline. You would think. Yeah. Uh, but we do know there there was a large group of Mandos that kind of scoffed at the Kool-Aid drinkers and the Bo-Katanners, and they aligned with the with the Empire. So Nick is right. There There is, in my mind, in his mind, three potential Mandalorian factions kicking around the galaxy during the Mandoverse timeline. All right. Uh, some not Star Wars, who cares? Willow, there's Warwick. If you can ever attend a, pa- a Star Wars panel hosted by Warwick, do it. He's fantastic. Do it. I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right, my friend, it is time to get into this episode's version of the fan segment. Yes, you heard me correctly. We do a dedicated fan segment every week for those of you that take the time to listen to the Star Wars Time Show on a weekly basis. Tones is getting ready to go to bed. It's 4 a.m. over in the... Uh, United Kingdom, which I've learned now, you can't say the UK is Great Britain, but you can say Great Britain is a part of the UK, Nick. Did you know that? I did not. The United Kingdom consists of Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales, but Great Britain is only Wales, England, and Scotland. And now you know. Ireland pieced out. They're and like, Ireland is its Ireland is its own thing, which I sort of didn't know <laughs> i mean i knew yeah, there was I a did, lot of like fighting and and i've heard of the ira and i listened to you too but I, I i never really knew that like the northern part of ireland is like you know what fuck it we want to stay with the kingdom you rowdy motherfuckers go ahead and have your own island country but you know i i i'm not gonna say i was moved by the queen's passing but i i do appreciate the 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 monarchy and the history behind it um, I love period pieces dealing with the monarchy and, and English society and, you know, the, the whole royal system they have and lords and ladies and how that's persisted into even the 21st century. 
Um, but when I was doing that, I, I just, for my own mind, I was like, so what the fuck is the UK then? And what is Great Britain? And, and what, what the hell is, you know, what is a British person? So, I, you know, I gave myself a little bit of a history lesson. Anyways, back to the fan segment. We always offer two opportunities for our fans to join in on a new episode of Star Wars Time Show. The first is the question of the week, which we're going to do right now. To get involved, you just have to be paying attention to our Instagram account, at Star Wars Time Show, on Tuesdays. You're going to want to look for the question of the week in our stories or posted in our feed so this week's question did not do well the questions have been kind of floundering lately uh, but we did Once get the star replies. wars content comes yeah it'll probably yeah stuff <laughs> that people can actually get angry about that's when the comments start flowing for now when people you know i'm not really giving them something to be pissed about uh, we're not getting great interaction but you know what our diehards are always there so we appreciate you uh, this is definitely one of those block text screen grab type of weeks. So the question yeah. was, which D23 reveal got you the most hyped and why? The Mando, Tales of the Jedi, Andor, or Ahsoka? I guess I forgot Skeleton Crew, but no one likes Jude Law anyways. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll start here with the story, Nick, and you can hit the, the block. The block. Um, so our buddy Rippick coming in. Looks like he's got a nice shot up there. He didn't get featured, but we still love you, Rippick. So Rippick says... As much as I've always leaned more favorably towards live action, and all the live action shows coming look so sick, the Tales of the Jedi trailer has me more hyped than the rest. And um, I, I, I would probably have to agree with that. I, I too kind of felt the same way. I don't know if it's because I, I know Tales of the Jedi is coming soon and I can process it and you know play with myself over the lore it's going to introduce to me. Uh, but I, I kind of felt that way, too, with these D23 yeah. reveals. Yeah, I uh, mean, it seems like a lot of our other respondents felt the same way towards Tales of the Jedi. So we'll start off with Star Wars Black Series clips on Instagram. He says, most excited for Mando Season 3. Bummed that Bad Batch got delayed, but stoked that we'll have Tales of the Jedi to tide us over for a while. So some some love for Tales there as well. Um Tones, 1138, he just hopped off to go to bed. Um, he says, hard choices, they all look outstanding. For me, Tales of the Jedi, really looking forward to seeing Dooku's backstory and his training of Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, Mythos Boba says, Tales of the Jedi, looks pretty damn epic. <laughs> <laughs> but all so right, excited well. for Mando S3, literally cannot wait. Uh, and Lima 4 Photo says, Andor, we're just so close. I can taste it. It feels like it has been too long since Kenobi ended. And as if the drought in Star Wars content reflects the real world droughts that have been going on in the Northern Hemisphere. I mean, hey, lots of droughts going on out there for sure. So lots of tales of the Jedi love. And then obviously Lima 4 looking towards the immediate future for Andor. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by that. Uh, especially by those responding. I mean, uh, I don't want to age anyone, but I, we all know Tones is in his 50s. I don't know how old Nova is or Black Series clips, but I, I believe he's in my generation. Uh, Mythos, I'm not sure, but I, you know, I think he's, he's in there. Lima's a little younger. Yeah. But it is, it's like us old guys. We're, we're more amped for animated Star Wars versus live action, which if you yeah. would have polled the same people back in... You know, 2008, when the Clone Wars movie was coming out, I don't know if you would get the same responses. Because uh, there was, 
not by me, and I, I can't speak for anyone else that commented here, but there was a a pretty clear movement amongst older Star Wars fans. Like, animated Star Wars? Nah, no thanks. That's, that's fucking stupid. I, I, I can't get down with that. So I, I like that there, this shift has kind of taken place where Star Wars fans are almost more excited now <laughs> to get back to the animated wing of Star Wars versus live action. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's good stuff in all of them, so... Yeah, I'm glad that people are coming around so to the So there animals. you go. That is the question of the week. And now we're moving into the second avenue of success for those that want to get involved in a, a weekly broadcast of the Star Wars Time Show. And that, of course, is through our top five Star Wars Fan Artist Features of the Week, which we do every Tuesday. But to get involved... Any day but Tuesday. I, I don't know how many shots Nick may pick from a Tuesday that I feature, but... Every day of the week, make sure to tag at Star Wars Time Show by using ad tag at Star Wars Time Show. And then also use hashtag Star Wars Time Show in any Star Wars related artistic post you put out. And it doesn't have to be just traditional art or toy photography. It can be, you know, I love seeing the tattoos. Uh, for some reason, I haven't seen Cody Tweedy stuff in a while because uh, either that, that hashtag problem that's going on or not being tagged properly. But, you know, tattoos, drawings, clay sculpts, cosplay, it doesn't matter. We want to see it. So tag and use our hashtag. And throughout the week, I'll feature on our account. And then Mondays, Big Dick Nick comes down from the high tower, sits in his comfy chair, grabs himself a drink possibly his evening pipe and his paper and chooses the top five for the week, which we're going to go through right now, starting with his first pick, Nick, who it be. It be at CGE rock to kick off the top five for this week. And what we have is an awesome shot of presumably Mr. Mando's in one uh, Naboo Starfighter, and you can kind of see in that little dome there that the head of Grogu, as they are taking off from planet surface and potentially into uh, space pretty soon. So I just thought it was a it was a really cool shot. Like we don't often see in one Starfighters in in our toy photography pictures, um, and I think that this was just a really cool uh, really cool shot that captures that that pretty damn awesome yeah cge i i believe is like a obviously a pro but I, I i think this account gets tapped by hot toys to do like official product shots uh and and this is not a hot toy n1 that nick's talking about i i almost think it's a customized model kit and that's really what a lot of fans is, have, yeah. been, have been doing these days to recreate din's n1 because there has been no official release yet either in a model or you know traditional uh, toy of of any scale so yeah i mean it's yeah. it's fantastic you got a nice custom-made star wars toy and then obviously cg going with those practical effects maybe busted out the drano cleaner some sort of air gun to kick up those particles oh yeah so good good stuff there you nailed it it's definitely a model kit you can see a little bts on his uh, oh, page, okay. if you head over to his IG account, he shows you the the painting that he did on it to to make it look like Mr. DD's actual ship. Uh, so good stuff there at CGE Rock on Instagram. Next up, 
is our good buddy action figure snaps making the top five yeah hey, with where, this awesome where's that andor gear bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, come on man really i got i got fat over the summer I, I can't fit in my kenobi stuff quite yet i need some <laughs> i need some andor hoodies long sleeves tees you name it undies i'm here for you undies, there we go there we go <laughs> uh, but what adrian has given us in this one is an awesome shot of again Mr. Din Djarin, yeah. people are very interested in the Mandalorian. They're getting ready for Mandalorian S3. And what we see is just Din just setting ablaze somebody that, in the background. Yeah, I just love that <laughs> poor, poor schmo in the back, that short trooper. Just Completely literally on fire. <laughs> engulfed in flames. And then Din is just like, yeah, well, I'll just shoot you. He's like, hey, yeah, I, just, I, I, I'm letting your buddy suffer you. I'll just fucking shoot you through the heart. So yeah, I, blast I, I your bolt. Right the guy in the, the back is my favorite. He's just sitting there like, ah! <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> fuck my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did I have to get this goddamn shift at Scareball? Yeah. This wouldn't be Scarab base, but you, you get my point. I don't know. I just, yeah. him, <laughs> to just think of the fucking torture that poor bastard's going through. Oh, I yeah. I love it. It's just, and A then Jen's like, you know fate. what? I'll, I'll say, I'll spare you and I'll just fucking kill you immediately. So you got to love yeah. me. Then, like you know, like he used to say, he's gonna bring you in hot or cold. Now it's, do you want me to make your death miserable or quick? That's his new, yeah. his new. Bring tagline. in one in crispy <laughs> for sure. So, <laughs> he's like, oh man, <laughs> uh, oh, those poor troopers, man. You gotta feel bad for him. Definitely. All right, so, so good shit here. Yeah, sorry. That's action figure snaps z or snaps with a z on Instagram. With a z. Yes, indeed. Good stuff. Next up, we have at Lionworks on Instagram, L-Y-O-N-W-O-R-X. And it's an awesome uh, mashup shot here between Marvel and Star Wars to to uh, <laughs> kick off the, the NFL football season for week one. We have uh, a three-on-three game, it looks like. Mando playing uh, quarterback. You got... Han Solo up on uh, the offensive side with Mando and, and Chewie. You got yeah. Han, Han, and Han and Chewie. They're 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 like linemen, more or less. Yeah, linemen. And then you see uh, in the background on the Marvel side, you got <laughs> Chewie blocking Iron Man. You got Han blocking Star Lord. And then you have. Is that actually Hulk? Is he just like yellow Hulk or something yeah, it, like that? It, it's definitely a Hulk. You know, I don't know. Maybe he had a bad day or, or ate something yeah. he didn't agree with, turned him a bit yellow. But yeah, it's just the Hulk. <laughs> this is my favorite part. He's not even in focus. Like this is the blurred part of the image. But yeah. <laughs> either Grogu has the Hulk oh, yeah. in stasis or the Hulk is just looking down at Grogu going like, Whoa, you know, he's just like, he can't process. Yeah, like, How like, can I smash? Like he doesn't know what to do. So he, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, I he's can't essentially getting, yeah, he's essentially getting blocked or Grogu is going under through his legs on his route to catch the yeah. pass from dad. He, uh, he's he's doing an out route. He's just got to make his way through uh, Hulk's legs. First. Yeah, so. I, just, I don't know. It, it's a funny shot. And Lionworks actually followed this up with uh, the extra point. Uh, I'll just go to it since we're talking about it. But in the extra point <laughs> shot, you got, uh, I think Din is kicking it. And then there's a, a, a no, the, the, there we go. Storm Din is the kid. holder. Yeah, Din's going to be the holder. And then you got this stormtrooper lined up. And to me, I don't know if if uh, Lionworks did this on purpose. I, I think he he did. But 
the fact that the stormtrooper is a kicker and kickers need accuracy is just yeah. next level Perfect. brilliant if that is the thinking behind this this shot here. So Perfect. Um, always love when Lionworks brings his Star Wars toys and the big ones at that, the one six scale into the real world. So a good follow at Lionworks on Instagram. Good, good stuff. Next up in the top five, the very touching little shot here from at Corona four on IG. It's just a, you can see the, the, the uh, modal nodes in the background playing some music. And then you have uh, Leia and Han embracing as they, as they dance slowly on the dance floor of, you know, maybe this is one of their, uh, their shore leaves. They had a break during the, uh, the rebellion. They're like, man, we just need to go hang out have a little bit of chill time. And uh, they grabbed a, a, a yeah, nice a little, slow dance on the little floor. Couples dance. You could, you could say yeah. that or, you know, maybe after they got married on Endor, they kind of went around like some people do these days that have destination weddings. And they just have little gatherings throughout the galaxy to celebrate with family and friends. And, and they decided to, you know what, let's don the clothes we were wearing when we met each other. So, you know, hey, right. Leia. She she put her her hair in the buns because she knows that gets you know Han worked up and might be some baby making going on later that <laughs> night. Uh, she's got her her white robes for easy access, and then, you know he's got his little vest on and yellow sleeves to kind of give him that that smuggler scoundrel look that she first fell in love with. So I, I do like it. It is a fun little kind of what if scenario. But just seeing these two lovers together underneath a disco ball with the, you know, the dance floor lights, it is it is a special shot of the solo Skywalker Organas. Definitely. So at Corona four on Instagram, giving us that awesome little shot. And finally, in the top five, we have a (laughs) beautiful little tommy tough guy lego you know oh man it's just great i mean tong wars always does an incredible job putting together these lego shots that just look so realistic and this is another one we see a scout trooper making his way through a a little river slash creek gun out ready to fire in in the middle of a rainstorm i mean the environment is beautiful the weathering done on the the actual little lego figure is beautiful really putting together an awesome composition here uh, for at Tong Wars on the IG. Yeah, I just it, it's it's the the scout trooper is fantastic. I mean, it's it's a customized minifig. He's got a bigger bigger gun, more of like the sniper rifle you'd expect for the scout. He's got himself kind of little little poncho on there because he's in the jungle. It's just you know, anytime you see a Tong Wars shot, you're just like, damn, I want to shoot Legos. Yeah, you know, you think about it's like you forget how fucking tiny they are because he always makes them. He gives them some some size. You know what I mean? Like they they feel bigger than they truly are. But if you think about how tiny they are and and what it would require to do setups, they'd be much smaller than one twelve scale, way smaller than one six scale. It is. It's like why don't why don't I do this? You know, this this could be a a less stress type of approach to getting back to toy photography which i need to do because i've got like i said last week i finally opened up all the shit that came when my leg was broken i was too depressed to open it and dude i've got one six scale figures i keep looking here that's uh, there's not someone coming here to stab me i'm just looking at all my friends i mean there's probably there's close to 10 new ones just sitting on my desk that need photographed so my head can go now they can go in their shelves like that's all it is it's it's a complete fucking matt weirdo thing 
but I still am hanging on to if I collected something Star Wars, it can't be a appreciated collectible until I take a fucking picture. And one day I'll break that or I won't. But for now, let's just appreciate our boy at Tong Wars, one of the best Lego Star Wars shooters on Instagram. That is right. And that's the end of the top five. And that means it's the end of our show. So, Matt, why don't you close us out? Woo. All right. Not too bad. We didn't quite go to three hours, but we gave you a bonus 15 minutes compared to how we usually roll. And that's because we had a lot of things Star Wars to talk. So, see, there is always time for Star Wars time, even when there is not. So, if you're new here or if you're just looking for ways to help the Star Wars time show, this is the time to pay attention. Don't forget, anytime you're stumping for us, or if you are new to the show and you're trying to figure out ways how to, to, to get connected on social platforms, or how to interact or potentially get involved in the fan segment, my advice is to go to StarWarsTime.net. A, you're going to see our content. Maybe even some content we don't talk about on the show. B, it has every link you need to get linked in to the Star Wars Time Show on other platforms. So you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I don't even know why I have a Pinterest, but we got one of those. You can subscribe to the site's RSS feed. But more importantly, if you like seeing our stupid faces and you like the moving content versus the spoken word... You can also sub to the YouTube channel, so make sure to do that. If you're not already subbed, if you're watching and you haven't subbed, shame on you. Shame. 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 I need my bell. Do it. Do it now. Take the two seconds. Subscribe. Like. Leave a comment on today's stream. And make sure to turn on those YouTube notifications for next week's show. All right, so don't forget it. There's always time for Star Wars Time, and the best place to get in the know for the show is StarWarsTime.net. And besides, as we always try to tell you, if you listen to the Star Wars Time show, this show right here, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.